welcome to episode 4 of the Film 89 podcast. My name is Sky and I'm the editor of Film89.co.uk and returning is everyone's favourite Film 89 co-host, Mr Neil Gaskin. Hi guys, Neil, nice to be back. And with me is... Well, it would have been Richie Roberts. But unfortunately, in his capacity as art editor of the Times, he gets taken to all sorts of swanky posh do's, and unfortunately tonight is one of those nights. So we were kind of left hanging and, you know, without a third person. We always like to go threes up. So to speak, it just so happens that we've come across a bon vivant, dapper, erudite man about town who just happens to love film and TV, who's willing to drop everything from his busy schedule at a moment's notice. Keen listeners of the first episode would have heard mention of a Mr. Jim Cottle. The man's here tonight. Jim, welcome to Film 89. Good evening, everyone, and thanks for having me. I do believe, Jim, this is um, you losing your podcast virginity. It is, indeed, yeah. It's nice to have a cherry back. <laughs> can, I okay, just, can I just say, Jim's come to watch uh, a certain film with me tonight, and it's great that he stepped in at last, last minute notice, and uh, much appreciated. Jim. No, Jim, we are, we are very grateful, because Richie would have loved to be here tonight, but um, unfortunately, um, his uh, little swanky do with the Louvre took precedence over this, and I don't blame him, to be honest with you, it's a wonderful place. And, oh, yeah, uh, you're just going to be bothered. Yeah, shush now. Okay. <laughs> So tonight we're going to be uh, basically breaking down a lot of the big news stories we've had of late. There's been it's been trailer season, you know, as well as the Super Bowl stuff. There's there's a lot of stuff to talk about. So we're going to have quite a I think a hefty news section, and then we're going to be straight into our main review, which is Marvel Studios' 18th film, Black Panther. Following that, we're going to be giving a rundown of our favourite movie opening scenes, and then if uh, we haven't run over too long or we've got some time, we're going to have some listener questions. But guys, what news stories of late uh, have struck you that uh, you'd like to talk about? Well, there's one story that's going to particularly sit well with you. Yeah. Uh, um, that's the possible... Robocop sequel. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Well, um, is it going to be a sequel or is it going to be... Uh, well, apparently uh, Ed Neumeyer, the uh, co-writer of the 1987 original Robocop, has said that he and MGM are currently in the planning stages of a, a Robocop sequel that may actually ignore the second and third film uh, which is certainly as, as Neil will attest a bit of a pipe dream of mine uh, not the biggest fan of Robocop 2 uh, Robocop 3 is just an absolute train wreck of a film uh, the first film is as a lot of people know my favourite film you know I, I wrote a piece for the site about it the day the news broke um, that wasn't you know everyone was reporting the news and, and sort of putting their spin on it but I thought what I would do was just sort of put forward my idea what I would do with the film uh, and the way I would go with it. Ed is going to do with it what he thinks, but I've got faith in the guy. You know, he, he came up with the original. Whether the film will happen, I don't know. Whether it will ignore the second and third films, you know, we've yet to see. I think it needs to, really, doesn't it? I think the thing is with Ed Neumeyer as well, I mean, what we have to remember is that Ed Neumeyer had actually completed a Robocop sequel, and it was only due to the writer's strike. Yeah, the, yeah, the 19... Eighty-eight yeah. writer strike, and, and he wasn't and able to uh, put that forward. Anyway. No, that's right. It was uh, Robocop Two: The Corporate Wars. From what I've seen of the script, it, whether it would have translated well to film, I don't know. A lot of those elements from that script were actually brought up and used in Robocop Three. Uh, but either way, if we're ever going to get another Robocop film that's worthy of the original, and God knows the original deserves a decent follow-up this is the only chance we're going to get. So from that point of view, I'm intrigued. Uh, a lot of people have said, "Oh, look, you know, let's just leave it." They're never going to match the original, and, and certainly I don't think they are. You know, they go Has this against... moment passed, though? Are we really going to be ready for <sighs> Robocop to come at us again? How did the, how did the last one do? The well, remake? exactly. The, the, the well, 2014 yeah. remake, it, it barely made back 
uh, three times its budget, which um, there's a, a general rule of thumb in Hollywood that if a film doesn't make three times its production budget, then it, it isn't really um, financially viable. Uh, there, there was mention uh, back in 2014 of a sequel, uh, which never came forward from Sony. You know, I think they've gone back to the drawing board now. <coughs> what what this new story is lacking is anything from a studio. This has all come from Ed Newmeyer. Yeah, and it's, you can sort of look at this both ways, really. Like Jim was saying, a lot of films, you know, you just wish there could have just been one film. I mean, for instance, if only one Die Hard had ever been made, you know, I'd be perfectly happy with that. But yeah. you then get, you're almost like sort of chasing chase the numbers, aren't you? Where, do I want to see a Robocop sequel? Well, after the two films that have been made and then the remake, mm-hmm. it's almost like I want them to make it better again. Yeah, now, that's a bit of a double-edged sword because if you look at the Terminator franchise, yeah, I keep heaping my sort of hopes on backing them that they're going to pull it back and they, and they don't do it. No, you know, ironically, right. now when you've got Cameron back involved, I'm dreading it. Yeah, the, well, yeah. I should be, you know, really excited because of the shitness yeah. of the what's come before. You know, yeah, there've been people on Twitter, and one of those is um, Richard Jackson. He he's a massive Robocop fan, and his initial reaction, uh, you can you can find his YouTube video with Oliver Harper where they discuss the same. Uh, story that we're discussing here and he says don't don't bother doing it they're just going to fuck it up again and from that point of view you, you can't help but agree with him you've got, got to, you've got to agree with that but there's still a little fanboy part uh, yeah that's goes, and if this is purely get for hoven back well, get well, get well it. back no well you know well as he's way past it now and i don't and could well do it well i could do it he could but i don't think he would simply because I don't um, think it was hard graph the first time. Yeah, well, exactly. And later on in the year, there's going to be a, a fantastic documentary coming out called RoboDoc, um, which is currently in the editing stages. It's going to be, you know, they've got, I think, 90 plus hours of interview footage, which they're going to be distilling down into a couple of hours. It was a, a Kickstarter project, which sort of has, has ballooned and, and they, they made far more money than they aimed to. So they were able to, to give the, the film and the two sequels the right royal treatment. It, it's hopefully going to be just as good as the um, the Hellraiser doc, which was made uh, by by the same people a few years back, and it's just going to be an all singing, all dancing look of the films. They basically got everyone involved that was um, both behind the scenes and, and actors in, in relation to both Robocop and the two sequels. Everyone except Peter Weller because he said he he's, just he's, done, he's it, done with yeah. it. He's got nothing more yeah. to say about Robocop. So from that point of view, I think they're going to have to recast. But do you think that's a case of perhaps he's sick of you know he's not he's not a guy who's ever going to go to a convention? Yeah, do you think that's a case of Look, I've I've said everything I can say in an interview. If he's presented with a with a great script, with a fantastic yeah. story, with a viable director, yeah. and a lot of cash, and a lot of cash. In all fairness to Peter Well, like you say, he's he does the conventions. He's done the um, the Q and A sessions. It's not like he's he's sort of like been worn out with it. Do you think? I think so. Yeah, and you can understand that because you know he's done a lot more films than Robocop, and but that is the the one film that he is most remembered for quite yeah, quite for, rightly in in my eyes. Unfortunately, like you say, he's he's, he's quite a rare breed with that because he's been typecast as as that character. When usually when you've got a character that's hidden by a mask like a Batman, yeah, you can get you away can with the typecast. Yeah, get away from it, but he seems to be tied into it, doesn't he? Either way, I don't think, if I'm honest, I don't think this film's going to happen, but it was intriguing news anyway, um, certainly food for thought. Next up, the, I think chronologically speaking, it was the solo teaser for the teaser, something which I hate, I, I wish they'd stop doing this, and obviously the following day we had the the, the full-on teaser trailer for, for Solo, A Star Wars Story. What are your thoughts on that, Jim? I'll start with you. Well, first of all, the whole putting a solo trailer out with the Super Bowl or whatever it came out with, you think they could, they could actually have put it out with anything and people have found it looked at it and you don't need to put it out there no with the Super Bowl they could have put it with the worst program on TV I don't think they did I don't think it was part of the Super Bowl um, 
Yeah, the teaser. The teaser was. The teaser was. But so that'd be on the Sunday night, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean. Wherever they're gonna, wherever they're gonna put it, people are gonna find it. It's gonna blow up all over the internet. Everyone's gonna see it. I watched it. I didn't see anything in it that made me excited for it. Really, mm. uh, I think Lando looked all right. Yeah. The rest of it, Chewbacca looked all right. The rest of it, I was very much. What are we doing here? What I, are we doing here? I, I like the look of it. it. It had that sort of similar feel to Rogue One. It, it it looked part of the universe. It had a sort of a polished yet grungy look to it. Polished as in you know, it, you know, it didn't look like that cartoonish universe we saw in the prequels. Other than that, I don't think that really he's a shoe in for for Harrison Ford. I, we may be proven wrong. There were little bits like a little uh, verbal text towards the end where he sort of repeated a line when he was nervous, which is something the hand used to do. Other than that, I it's not exactly knocked my faith in the film because. Uh, after the last Star Wars film that we saw. <laughs> did we like that? I can't remember. How, how did that review yeah. go? Don't get me started. Don't get me started. Yes. Yeah, I, I will say it's lucky that Jim wasn't there for that one. <laughs> yeah, Jim obviously is not a... Well, he's not a fan of The Last Jedi. None of us are really. Richard liked it. Uh, Steve Amos, who, who was also part of the Film 89 crew, he, he Hayden loved it. Hayden was okay with Hayden it. Hayden was okay with it. But again, it's, that's typical of what the film did. It divided audiences. And after that film now, it's really, you know, I, I think there's basically been four great Star Wars films. One so-so film and the other four are just... But like like you say, with Rogue One, it was almost a relevant story. That It's almost a case of, why did they think of this before to do Rogue One? Mm. It was, it's a great idea for a prequel slash sequel slash in-between film. The Han Solo film, unless they've got a real ace up their sleeve, yeah. for me. But we've only we've only seen in. a minute and a half of this film. Let's just put. We, do we, yeah, but do we need to know anything about Han Solo's past? No, we don't, and we certainly don't need to, the things he talked about, like doing the castle run in twelve parsecs, yeah. things like that. They are things that we can be told. We don't need to see them. It's, there's a degree of cashing in definitely with this. And could, I, could we've also said that about Rogue One when 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 the film was first announced? Do we need to see a film that's based on one line from the opening crawl? Of the new hope, yeah. but to me that's. Do we need? Do we need to see that? And we don't. With hindsight, I'm glad we did. We don't. But to me, that's almost an interesting sort of prospect to put forward. Nothing's actually been put forward here about the solo movie, other than it's a Han Solo prequel. You know, it's, no, it's yeah, that's Han true. They, they haven't said what the now, story's going to be. With about. Rogue One, you you ideally had that thing, but it was almost intriguing. Where you go, wow, this is one line that's said in the film, mm-hmm. but we all know it had a massive relevance. Yeah. Han Solo at the moment there's nothing in his backstory that has a massive relevance to the main saga yeah, not like Darth Vader when before the prequels you wanted to know the origin of Darth Vader this guy that was Anakin yeah, Skywalker no, no. how did he turn you there was any number of ways they could have told that story and made it interesting now I might, it, I might be proved wrong with this Solo might come out and it might blow us all away and I hope it does I really mm, hope it does Yeah. but at the moment I'm just thinking there's no need for this film plus you're taking on a a, a complete iconic character and it's going to be so easy to do a disservice it's going to be so it is it is because Harrison Ford owned that role he's going to be known for Han Solo Indiana Jones and Rick Deckard yeah. and, and, and don't get me wrong he's got loads of other great roles now Blade Runner 2049 I really felt he was on board with that and it added something to the original film it added something to the character's ongoing story I think with I think with Solo, there's loads. The, the universe is massive. It's got loads that we need to see more of. I could quite happily see more of Jabba the Hutt smuggling, yeah. smuggling his way around the galaxy, or getting hand to smuggle his way around the galaxy. It should be it should be mean streets in space, shouldn't it? That's yeah, what yeah, we're hoping. That's, you, you've that's what we're hoping for. It needs to be gritty. It needs to be you know how did this guy end up decking and diving? Mm. Where does he come from? I'm happy with that. 
But I've got a feeling that Disney want to make back the billions they've spent on this franchise as soon as possible, and they're churning it out. Yeah, you, absolutely. You've hit the nail on the head there for me. That's something that never occurred to me. Do you know what? I hope this film has no reference at all to the original saga. Let's just have it as a standalone story. You're completely yeah, right. It there. doesn't need it. It doesn't need to be tied in. They don't need to have right, uh, Darth Vader turn up. The one part that spoils Rogue One for me. Yeah, he will. When you get the two guys from the cantina, yeah, they did. Yeah, it makes it makes it makes this massive universe smaller when you have characters that the last time we saw them were on Tatooine and now we're on uh, Jeddah and the same two. um, Doctor Emerson, yeah, they're they're not they're not major characters yet. We bump into them just oh yeah, just a little throwback fan service. Granted, Rogue One didn't need that. And let's do let's do the same. Let's apply the same factor. I don't want to see any droids action this I don't want to see R2 and C3 no no no, no. Yeah, I don't want them showing up like they did in God Gold, no which yeah. is basically just so they could say they're in they, every, they're Star, in every Wars. Star Wars there's <laughs> yeah, just no need right. for that no, no need for that they don't need it no yeah you say, if, if, if they've got a strong enough story and there's, there's rumours that this could be a separate trilogy depending on the yeah. success of this this could be a separate trilogy it could if we have a standalone if it's, if it's one film, great. If it turns, if it's that good that it turns into three films, even better. Yeah, I was going to say, but the evidence would go say you're going to be wrong. If they can do a, but if they can do a standalone story, even if it's just for the one film, then I'll be more than satisfied with that. I just hope it's not just... But if, but then it's going to fall into the trap of, if it's if they said, oh, it's part of a trilogy, is it part of a trilogy if it makes money, we'll bang out some more like we did they, well, with all think, the other films? Yeah, I think especially... Or is it, is it part of a trilogy... You know, is there any artistic merit in them? Are they saying it is part of a trilogy because we've got the story all planned out and it's good to go? Or is it, we'll yeah. see how it goes and if, it, if you like it, we'll I, think will, it right? I, will, I will say the trilogy thing is only a rumour at the best. Mm. Lucasfilm yeah. has said nothing. No, Luke, Lucasfilm haven't even planned out the current trilogy that they're making. As Ryan Johnson said on the Director's Cut podcast that came out literally the same week that The Last Jedi was released, he actually said, despite Jones, the director that was hosting the podcast, that when he took over episode eight uh, from J.J. Abrams, he realised that they hadn't actually written out a three-film treatment at any point. They were making this shit it's up as they went along. Wait, so, so why now were they going to have the, you know, the, the common sense to to plan out a Han Solo trilogy? I just think literally they they are throwing ideas in the air. Yeah, see what sticks. After the the last film, which as time goes on, I I dislike it. More and more, I get more and more angry week. every time yeah, I think I, about I, it. I'm sorry, I don't want to fall into one of these people. That, we're doing it again. Yeah, we, doing we, it again. Park, I don't want to have park. to justify why I dislike the film any more than the you yeah. know, the four and a half thousand article mm. or word article I wrote for the site. The 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 hour or so I think that we talked about yeah. in episode one of the of this podcast. I don't want to go over all ground again. It was just a poorly written film. It was poorly written, poorly made. Uh, it was just. It was tried. Stop that. The, the, the problem. The problem I've got now is the happy place, boy. The problem I've got now is that I was going to leave Solo alone until I. You said, enough you, reviews you, said about you weren't going to go and see it. I wasn't right. going to go and see it. Bear in mind, I went to America to see the Phantom Menace because it came out earlier there than it did in the UK. You've grown since what, then. What a kick in the balls that was. That was. And then, time um, unfortunately, the Matrix was out of there as well, so I got to see that. But after the, after the Last Jedi, I can't trust the reviewers. Because they're all raving about it. Absolutely. And I walk in there and it's rubbish. So even if the reviews are massively positive for Solo, I've still got the chance of walking in there and watching something as dreadful and awful as The Last Jedi. I need need at least two valued friends. People whose opinions I support and, you know, appreciate. And even then, after the last clusterfuck yeah. I kind of don't want to give him my money no, that's right. I don't want to give him my money yeah I, if we like, keep if we keep, give, if we keep giving Disney they will keep making shit yeah. yeah but if we keep giving them money they'll keep churning this stuff out anyway Solo let's, go on, let's put that let's one away out. nothing so, exciting the, the, the two main Super Bowl trailers I think we should briefly mention let's just get out of the way Infinity War ah well 
Yeah, the, no, the, this, was, this was a teaser trailer. This was a teaser trailer. It was all... a teaser trailer after the main trailer. Well, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. Basically, I don't need to see any more of Infinity War. No. I can't think of a film at the moment that I want to see more than that. I don't think for a second it's going to disappoint in any way. It's the Russo brothers. It's everything coming together. It's 10 years of work, the likes of which we've never seen in any so other 78 franchise. 78 cast members, they say. Yeah, yeah. all like coming that. together in a film. But if in a couple of months' time now we're sat here and we're... Slitting our wrists. Yeah, well, <laughs> I talk, t- talking about the film... I, I, can you imagine? Can you imagine the sort of disappointment... Yeah, but what evidence is there <laughs> that this going to be anything other than great? There's no evidence to suggest it, but you know, like you say, you, you sometimes it, build yourself up to. But no, oh, no fuck it, I'm getting excited. It's, it's going to be it's, awesome. I'm getting excited. Right, I'm getting excited. The, the film we're going to talk about today. I'm not sure if it was um, in the show when you guys saw, but because I was, I it saw was, it was. Yeah. That was the only time we elbowed yeah. each other. The, the, the trailer for Infinity War, seen up on a big screen, um, I had goosebumps. And I've already seen it about 17 times. But there, There's nothing about that that doesn't excite me. Like I said in the first podcast, I, I would happily watch that on repeat for two hours over watching Justice League. <laughs> anyway, I think we're going to yeah. be talking a lot about the MCU and our, yeah. in the lead-up to our, our review of Black Panther. Mission Impossible 6. Excellent. I... I absolutely j- given up on Mission Impossible I watched the first one thoroughly enjoyed it second one was alright third one oh, the second one was the John Woo oh, second one was the John Woo one yeah. sorry terrible um, third one's okay I was like mm. and then I've drifted away and the last two I don't think I've even bothered with right I haven't I'm, even bothered with I'm going to go the exact reverse the uh, first one the Bride of the Power one is good but it's it's dated it's isn't a, it and it's a little bit of a too much of a sort of almost a cold it's trying to be a, something it's not it's trying to be a cold war thriller when it shouldn't it should just be an action film yeah John Woo it's trying to proper spying yeah John Woo one is a bit where's John Woo yeah I love slow-mo though I don't even see films ever again no alright third one I was like that's actually alright fourth mm-hmm. and fifth I've really enjoyed but what I will say with the Mission Impossible films they all blended the one thing I'm saying yeah. fourth and fifth uh, because I can't remember which one's Ghost Protocol and which one's the other one well, they all blended well, what's the other one called I, uh, the, 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 the Mission-ish which is the one where he hands off the plane that was the that's, last one that's, that's the last, last one, one. Yeah. I mean you've right. got to hand it to him you've got to hand it to him this, for stunts and stuff the, interest, the interesting thing with this is obviously the big news with it was the, the, the delay filming because uh, Tom did the jump and broke his ankle I was watching an interview the other day I thought he mistimed that jump. He was actually supposed to crash into the building. That's meant to happen. Yeah. Rumour is that we just saw the trailer. Yeah. They actually show his ankle being broken. They're going to write that into the film. Yeah, great. Yeah. Why not? The really? guy has learned to fly a helicopter. Tom Cruise plays a great trick on me every time. I don't like Tom Cruise. I love Tom Cruise. I watch him in a film. <laughs> I absolutely yeah. love him. Yeah, we yeah. think, every, everyone thinks, like, oh yeah, Tom yeah. Cruise, he's, you know, Tom Cruise doesn't get the credit he deserves and he yeah. never will, unfortunately. Yeah. Anyone he's who's very seen... Good looking, the, very successful. Yeah, you know, the... <laughs> The, the likes of Magnolia. It's very small. Yeah, you yeah. know, and, and I gotta say, as much as it's nowhere near as good as the film it's remaking, yeah. Tom Cruise in War of the Worlds plays the uh, world's yeah. best crap dad. dad. He does. Yeah, yeah. he He's plays really a guy good. who's struggling to be a father. He a doesn't do it. Dad, yeah, a weekend dad. Yeah. The one thing that stands out about that film is Tom Cruise as that crap dad is fantastic. He doesn't get the credit he deserves. Do you know, if, I, you, I, if I, you take up the shit ending to that, the happy ending, which is terrible, oh, just, Justin Chatwin coming back and he should have died. If you yeah. take up the happy ending, you know a lot of people go on about the Tim Robbins part. Yeah. I quite enjoy that. Yeah. I, I quite enjoy I, that. I, I saw, I, 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 well anyway, we're going off the point. Yeah. Tom, Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise, Cruise is, is great. Cool. Yeah. Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill. How is he going to fight Henry Cavill? Henry Cavill's massive. He's a god. Tom He's super. Henry Cavill is basically playing Superman in a suit. He looks, do you, know what, do you know what I was thinking when watching that as well? 
It's a real shame he didn't. As much as I love Daniel Craig, it's a real shame he came second choice for Bond. Because uh, I tell yeah, you, but if I, he hadn't been Superman, that guy could possibly have been the greatest Bond we have ever had. Uh, I don't know. Maybe can we, can we steer away? Well, we need to steer oh, away from Bond because we can't have Jim spending the next hour talking about oh, how much he hates I will, Spectre. I will be bringing a Bond throughout the podcast. <laughs> and I, I didn't even plan this. It was the minute we said that Jim was coming in last minute. I thought, how many Bond references? No, <laughs> just so we can get round to fucking Spectre. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no we put that to bed. Put that's that's put that to bed. For those who don't know what we're talking about, Jim hates Spectre. Hate he, he went on a wild rant on social media for about six months after the film came out. He despises it and... I'm not arguing with you. Right. Right. Anyway, no, yes. Right. If it, but it was vitriol. Like never so, Sony, <laughs> if you're going to pick another Bond, Henry Cavill is your man. I think he's... Maybe this film... Or like, is like, his, uh, his calling card. No, Leia Cake was yeah. Daniel Craig's audition yeah. for Bond. Well, I was going to say, that scene in Leia Cake when he holds the Luger up. And the side profile mm-hmm. in the sort of classic Sean Connery pose, yeah. and stri- we'll talk about this later. Yeah, well, let's, it's, let's put let's put a pin in that. Okay, okay. <laughs> Henry, Henry Cavill like shaping up to scrap. That was a that was an yeah. epic image. I was yeah, like, yeah, and come on. he just you know he's going to be one of the selling points for this film. Yeah. I think. Yeah, good. Deadpool two. It's what not. Good, it's not. It's it's unlikely to fail. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's it's gonna do everything you want a Deadpool it, film to do. It's gonna be profane. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be violent. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. I yeah, can't no, wait. I, I love know. it. I loved I loved the first one, and I absolutely. Yeah. I can't wait. The, the first one was like a one. breath of fresh. I yeah. can't wait for it. I got it, it was a film that never should have been made from the point of view of Ryan Reynolds was given his chance to play Deadpool in the X Men Origins Wolverine film. Yeah. It was a total clusterfuck. The, the film was dead and buried. He championed the cause. He, he made he made a clip. Well, he yeah, yeah, like yeah. He made a well, trailer. Let's thing, be honest. He played Deadpool before he played Deadpool because Blade Trinity. Blade Trinity, the character yeah, he plays in that, he yeah, actually he is Wade Wilson. Yeah. He actually admits that he was given Deadpool yeah. comics to read as research for that. Yeah, as, as much as people say that you know the likes of. Um, Robert Downey Jr. perfectly cast as Iron Man. Yeah. There's only one man that's ever going to play Deadpool. Oh yeah, it dies with it dies with Ryan Reynolds. If Ryan Reynolds, there there is no other Deadpool. Want to do it again? That's yeah. the end of that franchise. It's amazing how well they've cast Marvel films. You got you know so many people in those roles. You just go, oh yes, but definitely. Okay. Yeah. This obviously isn't Marvel Studios. No, this know, is this is, uh, this is this is Fox at just, the moment. Just, just for listeners, I always Jim, do that. Uh, if it's Marvel, it's Marvel. Jim, do, Jim doesn't understand <laughs> the rights, uh, the, the rights ownership uh, shenanigans behind all the different Hopefully, well. hopefully soon he'll be right. Yeah. But yeah. I read a story today that the Sony, uh, sorry, the, um, the, the Marvel, Fox Disney Marvel, deal, yeah, might, might not, not be happening, happening. because yeah, there was actually a higher offer. Made. Who's having it? So it's an undisclosed source at the moment. There was a higher offer made to buy mm. Fox, and for some reason they went with Disney. Now I'd like to think it's because they know that Marvel uh, are with Disney, and they can do a better service for their. Well, fans. yeah, you know the, the the Fox properties or the, the Marvel properties that Fox owns are going to be in good hands with Disney. However, I would not imagine a Rupert Murdoch is a Marvel aficionado, so there might be more to ask over today. We'll see, we'll see. We'll see. But either way, Deadpool 2. It, yeah, we'll, we'll I can't we'll, wait for that. I've got to be honest, and bringing Cable into it now, for me, it was a step too far at the moment. I, I would have happily seen a Deadpool sequel yeah, without, without, without it working towards X-Force. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they, now they've teased, X, they've teased yeah. the X-Force kind of, and you've got Terry Crews in it as well, who's one of my favourite sort of 
muscly, funny guys. Let's yeah, Terry Crews. I don't know how you describe got, him. You've got loads of favourite muscly it? guys. <laughs> I've got a lot of muscly, funny guys. I've got loads of, I love muscly guys, but muscly, funny guys, I'm on, sold. On, 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 <laughs> on the next episode, we'll be giving you a rundown of our favourite muscly, funny guys. guys. <laughs> That's Neil's favourite muscly guys. But, you know, yeah, but Terry Crews is definitely top of my list. No, i, I got to be honest, I love Terry Crews in everything, but the Expendable films. Yeah. yeah. So, Deadwood 2 out of the way, Venom. Venom. We like Tom Hardy. But we we like Tom yeah, Hardy. We haven't seen anything of Venom in the trailer. We don't no. need to. Let's just leave it at that. I think that's a better way to do it. Yeah, I we don't, we yeah, don't need well, to see him. Well, I think we know what you know, he looks like. For, peop- for people who are sort of um, kicking off, oh, you do a Venom trailer without Venom in it, there's two sides to that coin. A, be realistic. They've literally just wrapped filming on it. Yeah. Yeah. The effects are not going to be done. Tom Hardy, I think he's only done about six weeks filming on it. Yeah. Because 90% yeah. of it is going to be CGI. Yeah. Let's be honest, we all know that. And, you know, and that's, that's, that's a given anyway. The other side of it is, like you say, do we really need to see Venom? Not at all. Right now, would it be great if you? Would it be great if we went to watch Venom in? I think it's October is coming out. Would it be great if we all went in, not knowing what Venom looked like? I, I think the only thing from that is, as a trailer, you, it looks like it looks like uh, Tom Hardy's using a force mm. for various things. He's, there's, he's in a room and there's stuff flying around anyway. And yeah, but thinking, I think as I said, you know, I think there's something going to be added later to the like, scene. Yeah, it's going to be black CD, yeah. CGI ten. But that's, that's happened that, before. But... I mean, I mean, with Ang Lee's Hulk. I mean, if, if you ever see the first, and that was ironically rushed for the Super Bowl. Mm. If you ever see the first trailer for that, I mean, it looks like something from. Of Scooby Doo, yeah, really? yeah, it's really it's yeah, shockingly bad. Yeah, uh, Venom's out uh, October fifth. It's way off. Who knows? I think this might be, and again, I'm being very optimistic tonight. It might be a pleasant surprise because the minute I read about this and the minute I saw this film, even with Tom Hardy being involved, I was like, Do you know, what? I don't care. It's gonna be rubbish. Yeah, because but, it's a, it's a, it's another Marvel film that's not being made by Marvel Studios. Yeah. This is a Sony ever property. Stupid studios. Yeah, ever so studios I'm aware of the concept. Okay. <laughs> Moving Sorry. on, guys. I think uh, we're, we're going to possibly give away some spoilers here because we're going to talk about Star Trek Discovery. No. Oh, now I've not seen the last episode. Oh no! Leave the room. So we need to leave the room. We need to be really gentle. Oh, I had so much good things to say about we're it. Not really going to say much for the sake, then about for the, Star Trek Discovery. You know what I'm going to do for the sake of my listeners. I'm going to let you guys talk about it. Okay, good. Come on, come on, come on. So Kirk came back, yeah. Just just to give you an overview. Uh, Pretty much from the start, I I, I really like this show. Having had you've championed, having had next to zero expectations. Ah, right. It's only because other social media friends of mine who are massive Star Trek fans told me I should watch it. I gave it a chance. The first episode, I thought, "Ah, yeah, it's okay. I think by about the third or fourth, I was sold. And since then, it's had its little dips in quality. But the show, from about episode ten onwards hit a peak and sort of rided a crest of a wave in and for me at the moment it's probably the best first season of a Star Trek show Ooh. I've seen Ooh. I've got, you know, I'm going to completely agree with you there because um, if you look at I'm not a massive Star Trek fan if you look at the original series and Generations yeah I can go with that Deep Space Nine I dipped in and out of I've dipped in and out of all of the rest of them the only ones I've given solid commitment to are the original series and I say Next Generation. This one, obviously Brian Fuller, one of my favourites with the Hannibal series. Yeah. I, I, he's he's revolutionised this for me. Yeah. I am totally blown away by it. And maybe, maybe I should retract part of that comment because I, I shouldn't really compare the season one to the original series because that is, you know, an all-time classic. What I mean is The Next Generation, the first two seasons were in great. It, it peaked. It yeah, it peaked towards the, the second half of season three. Deep Space Nine for the first three years wasn't exactly great. Uh, from about season three, certainly season four onwards, it was fantastic. Voyager, 
again that started to get half decent when they went into bold territory yeah. Yeah. but again that was still it's kind of old ground it was going over old ground yeah. if I would my, 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 my problems with this I, I started watching it with you and I, I had high hopes because I've always loved I was going to say you, you were more excited and, than yeah. both of us yeah. and um, I started watching it and I was like I didn't get it and it, I didn't get it because of where it's positioned it's before 10 years before, ten years the, before original series. the original series okay and yet they seem to be playing with this gender that the male characters are in effect they're spoilers the bad guy and that upset me and I thought how can this then seed into having Kirk arrive on the scene being if he's not fighting it he's fucking it um, yeah, he, and, and that that's mm. too too disjointed I it's, think yeah, but it's it's a film made now as yeah. opposed to a film made yeah. in the same, even though Star Trek was way ahead of his time. Yeah. The things still, which, still, which we it, wouldn't think it still it still had the traces of the of the time. Yeah, yeah, of course. It was made in the sixties. It was made in the sixties, absolutely. And I've got I've got no issue at all with any apart from maybe two of the characters um, who are not exactly um, one of them. His story arc is far too complicated um, for its own good mm. um, but, but I've stuck with it because you told me to because I jacked it in after about three I give everything three episodes now because there's yeah. so much to watch yeah. I give everything three episodes if I don't want to watch the fourth I don't watch it so I, I was way behind and you said no stick with it stick with it stick with it and I've stuck with it and I'm glad I did because it is some epic stuff on yeah. Yeah. And the, the, um, the, the, the tie-ins to the mirror universe where yeah. they went with that when the Mirror Universe episode comes up, I'm thinking this is going to be just like the time travel episode, which I know Jimmy had some problems with. It's gonna. This is going to be the pure episodic formula where this week we're going to the Mirror Universe. Next week we're going to be back to the main story. That yeah. couldn't have been more wrong. And this is this is the selling point for me with this to do it to do it as a continuation story rather than episodic. It's really it's gripped me. I'm gonna be honest. There was so much made out of the F bomb being dropped. I think it was episode five, wasn't it? There yeah. was so much being made out of that. Yeah. Oh yeah, the internet. The internet went. The internet went crazy, and with some justification. I can understand people being upset that this is not Star Trek. You don't swear in Star Trek. Right. You also don't credit your viewer as being so adult yeah. with this storyline. Mm. This has been a, such a slow burner for so many episodes. It it? Is, yeah, it's been, you know, it's, it's also been totally brutal. Yeah, the actual main storyline is that such is that confidence in the viewer yeah. to say. We accept the fact that we're gonna, you know, take a little time mm. to. I don't give, are we giving spoilers away here? Because I don't want to give too much. Give them away. Give them away. Yeah, give them away. away. Guys, if you don't want anything spoiled for you, um, just jump ahead to the, the main review. To, to come in with the captain and the, the thing yeah, with the, the eyes was just amazing. Yeah, Jason Isaac's character, he. Awesome. The, the rug pull that they do with him was just fantastic. Yeah. I, I would imagine now if we went back and we watched. Oh, there's no doubt. I've Episodes no doubt. one to ten, it's going to be littered with clues, breadcrumbs yeah. throughout, pointing to the fact that he is it's not, a wrong He's a right wrong Not who he says Could he is. Could go in the nest. But, you know how great was Jason Isaacs in? You know, loved it. Very, yeah. very good. But I, he was he was the he was the token nasty male. And he turns out to be a bad guy. Do you know the thing was the, I watched I watched him in the um, the OA and I, 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 he plays a really nasty bastard in that. Yeah. And then seeing him in this, I was like. Yeah, right, yeah. he's 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 the sort of uh, reminiscent of Kirk. He's the male macho, domineering captain, yeah. and then to find out that there was that sort of background to it and that little bit of it, oh, it's, yeah, fair dues oh, as well. Yeah, fair dues. I, I, 
I'm but you haven't seen it. the last episode. I haven't seen the last right. episode. But, but I, I don't think, look, Neil, there's not going to be any massive shocks in the last guys, episode. Guys, like I said, like, it's my fault for not watching it before the episode, so talk away. So, spoilers, uh, spoilers ahoy. They're uh, flying, flying through uh, warp space to get a distress distress call from Pike. And wow. in yeah. comes the Enterprise. Now, I have an issue with this. I was goosebumped up to the nines, all right? Like a new, and the new old Enterprise looked fantastic. Yeah. Loved it. But then I thought, they're so wet on that ship that the Enterprise crew, it's like watching a load of Vikings. Yeah, that's not the end, that is not the Enterprise well, crew. There's, there's, there's going to be someone there, there's there, there's 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 so wet. There's going to be someone there. Michael Burnham is as... She is as kick-ass as Kirk ever was. She is... As much as she's got a very strong moral compass, much like Kirk, she will do whatever she has to do, right? Whether it, you know, she she, she is can kick ass. She can kick ass. But but I was just thinking, you've got I, I think you've probably got a younger Scotty on there. No, you've no, got, he's, yeah. he wouldn't be on there. No, right. there were several. He wouldn't be no, on. Several, he wouldn't be on Pike's ship at that point. Several of the crew were on Pike's ship. Well, actually, most of the crew were on Pike's ship. On Potentially, the, on and they're the, hard the, drinking. Hard Guys, if we're going to do this as canon, if we're going to do this as canon, we do the pilot episode, which is the cage. All the crew are there, bar Kirk. Yeah. 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 You then use the footage from the cage in. Is that the when Pike comes back in the yeah, uh, little the, the wheelchair, the wheelchair thing, robot right? thing? So, so Jim is like, Jamie's it, right. It is the, the crew like, of the Enterprise. Are gonna, if if you just they're going to be pissed up on Romulan and Ale. They're going to be getting together. They're going to be yeah. It's going to be interspecies right. contact. It's going to be ace. It's going to be the best, the best night of discovery. Bruce ever Greenwood ever. has to play Pike. Bruce Greenwood who played Pike in the JJ films. He did. He did it really well. He, yeah. he has to play him. If they don't cast him, I'm going to be very disappointed. Well, I've I got guess, to say though. Um, well, I, did, I, mm, I don't know. Does he need to be there? Yes. Uh, no, because if we do that, then but we have how to, great would it be? If it, it, w- it would be great, but then if we do that, we have to bring in Zachary Quinto. Zachary Quinto is sparkling. Yeah, bring him in. Bring him in. Yeah, but then would, we have to bring in Chris Pine as Kirk. And as yes. much as I love Chris Pine as Kirk, no, I love Chris Pine as Kirk. In the new JJ, uh, yeah, but this is look, you can't bring that about this, this show. Yeah, but I don't want to see anyone else be Kirk on TV. No, this uh, show will have to run for another ten years before we get to the point where they're going to introduce. Yeah, Kirk. Okay, okay. Otherwise, they're going to be really fudging up the timeline. Yeah. Well, either come, way, let, let's be honest. Let's be honest. Either way, it was lovely to see the ship. Let's just agree. They're not going to do a dread sequel, no matter how many people want it. Oh, I want so it. Let's, no, I no, want it. We all want it, but let's just have Carl Urban back as Bones. Oh, we can all just be happy then. Yeah, 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 he's great. yeah. yeah let's do that. Great, yeah. Either way, Star Trek Discovery, like I said, very low expectations of it, and I've been nothing but surprised. It's been a great show. I'm glad I watched it. Some of the things got sort of slightly over convoluted with, with, with Ash Tyler's storyline. I, I wasn't too keen on that. I really liked Sonequa Martin Green as, as Michael Burnham. I didn't like it at first because I don't like a character in The Walking Dead, and I thought I'm really going to dislike her. I think by episode two, I was like, yeah, I really like her. I think she can lead this show all the way through. Doug Jones' Saru is just... <laughs> what is it with Doug Jones? Doug you just Jones. say, oh, we need a guy who looks like a fish. Yeah, Doug, yeah, yeah, a tall guy, we want to put lots of makeup on you because you're very thin, but yeah. he, he is fantastic. Because that's like three characters now, because you've got Shape of the Water, you've got obviously the Hellboy films, yeah. and now this. Yeah. And, and um, you've got it's like, yeah, it's and Anthony Raps as Paul Stamets, the, the other character, Doctor Who, Culbert, in Star Trek's first overt gay male relationship. And then you think, yeah, obviously, you know, these are going to be main characters throughout. And then you've got that twist. Oh, that twist. That horrendous. Literally a twist. Yeah, yeah. a yeah. twist. Where there's no way that these characters are going to be established like they are. And then 
you have what happened happen. It well, was we, just they, the they biggest. Done, it was like a Game of Thrones like. Well, they've done, they, they, they've done that in reverse as well with Michelle's own character. I know it's the alternate universe, hmm. Captain. But to bring her back, yeah, I preferred her in the. I preferred Evil Yo. Yeah, but but good, it's, yeah. it's, it's yeah, come back yeah. and sort of slapped you across the face twice with that, hasn't it? Yeah. Like, I think they're definitely. I think you're 100 percent right there. There definitely is now. People are taking notice of the sort of Game of Thrones formula of don't let people get too confident. That's right. So the, your favourites are going to stay around too long. Yeah, yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah, but on the whole, on the whole, it's a good watch. Yeah, and but there's so many little things in it which are not explained. Which, like, if you look in the the mirror universe counterpart of Kayla Detmer, the girl with um, yeah. the, the sort the implant. of the implants. In our universe version of us got some sort of facial implants. It looked mm. like she may have once been assimilated. Like yeah. seven. Yeah. yeah. Why is the Mirror Universe counterpart not got those? What's happened to her there? Yeah. Is she going to have her own little episode in season two? I hope so. You know, there's little yeah. tidbits well, for the lots, fans to get lots their teeth into. Bit, you know? I yeah. th- like we said with Brian Fuller, he's done uh, two shows that I've, you know, absolutely loved and adored in the same, and then absolutely hated during the same season which is Hannibal and American Gods, which have been basically blown so hot and cold and gone so up and down. Mm. And with this, it's like as if someone's reined him in. It's, yeah. mm. To me, this is definitely the, the best sort of uh, fuller production I've seen. So guys, anything else news-wise you want to discuss now? Uh, we can... I know, Neil, you wanted to mention uh, Die Hard 6. Die Hard <laughs> 6 starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. In, indeed. Um, go on, fire away, Neil. This is a film in which a security guard <laughs> is caught... On the top floor of a skyscraper, there's some German terrorists there, and he has to take over. I know it sounds terrible. I can't wait to see this film. <laughs> I cannot wait to see this film. It's basically like as if someone's taken Nakatomi Towers and put it on steroids. It's never going to be as good as Die Hard, but I will stand by this. Did you think Jumanji was going to be any good? I know no. you liked the first Jumanji. I, like, I did, hoped that, it was going to be good. Really? I thought it was going to be... I thought you saw that, the, the first shots be... of, you know, the... No, no, no one's there. And it is now made in excess of $880 million. It's, it is now Sony Pictures' third highest grossing film of all time. Good Lord. Yeah. It is nothing but a success. I've got to say congratulations to good, a good friend of the podcast, Becky Diana, who yeah. works for international marketing at Sony Pictures. She called this film up months ago, months before anyone yeah. saw it, That's saying... Because she'd seen a, um, an early rough cut of it, and she said that this film is going to blow everyone away, and it's going to be massive. And when she did say that on an episode of Wrong Real, the, the Wrong Real podcast, I actually laughed when I heard that. I yes. actually thought, Becky, yeah, I, thought I love was... you to bits, but you are doing your job there extremely well, marketing a film that I don't think is going to be any good. And by the time I saw those initial reviews, I thought, holy shit, she was right. A few of the reviews were from sources who I do trust, but then when I actually saw the film myself, and I, I was just this is, entertained from the from start to finish. This is probably going to be the Die Hard tie-in for me because, as you know, every Christmas Eve, I like to watch Die Hard. Yeah, this Christmas Eve, I was lucky enough to have my son for a couple of hours. I went to watch Jumanji with him. Yeah, it's now going to be my new Christmas Eve film, pre Die Hard. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. right. And a bit of the next rock film, San Andreas. I saw the trailer for that. It looked absolutely dire. San Andreas two. No, what? No, 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 no the original San, San Andreas. Right, yeah, yeah. saw the trailer for that. It looked absolutely dire. Yeah, right. I saw the TV yeah. as an enjoyable film. It's a very enjoy enjoyable uh, disaster film. It's... I've got a feeling this skyscraper, uh, the Fast and Furious films. I had no time at all for the Fast and Furious films. Dwayne Rock Johnson turns up, all of a sudden I start enjoying these films. Yeah. What is it with you, a big oil muscle man? I, I, he's, he's, he's a big muscly <laughs> funny man. I told you right. when he come back. 
What I will say is, if I was working at Lucasfilm right now, I I'd be looking to cast Dwayne The, the Rock. Rock Johnson. Because that will make the film in, good. You inject Dwayne Johnson into <laughs> any franchise. Any yeah. franchise. It will get better. Instant better. But Skyscraper, better. it looks absolutely fucking terrible. I'm going to be yeah. honest with you. But Rock, it's got The Rock in pr- it. Prediction-wise, mm. I think we might be... It's going to be a popcorn film. Mm-hmm. Much, much like San Andreas It looks fucking dire at the moment. I've got a feeling it's going to be enjoyable It's going to be huge. I, it's going to be huge anyway because The Rock makes yeah. huge money anyway. Yeah. The only other big news I could think of from this week was Quincy Jones outing Marlon oh Brando and uh, right? Richard Pryor. Yeah. Uh, that, who wow. put those two together? Fantastic. So what, what, what other nuggets has Quincy Jones got for <laughs> us? Well, he, brought, he brought Marvin, Marvin Gaye as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah and Not yeah, just for the There's a few, wasn't there? But uh, yeah, I think the, the comment from, um, from Pryor's ex-wife or long-suffering wife I'd imagine was that he had so much drugs he'd fuck a radiator that's right so, that, uh, that, that, that was roughly what she said there. Yeah. it's all going on Our main review this episode is Marvel Studios' 18th film in its Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, a venture that's been running now since 2008, uh, since they dropped Iron Man on us, and pretty much with one franchise has changed the landscape of cinema uh, to some degree, because we've simply never seen anything like it before. We've been lucky enough to see the film today, and uh, I think by the time this podcast goes out, it'll be on general release. Uh, It would have probably been on release for, I think, about a day or two. We are going to be spoiling... Uh, the film so if you don't want the film spoiled go and see it you know put us on hold come back and listen to it again we're going to be full disclosure so guys uh, before we dig into the film proper just a brief overview of uh, the mcu of late and and where we're at before we go into this film where we're at well we're we're all hanging out for the arrival of thanos and um yeah this film almost i think is a bit of a it feels in a way like calm before the storm yeah much like you had captain america the first avenger being a sort of lead up to the avengers mm. and if i'm if that sneaky little after mid-scene scene from thor ragnarok i would have said the same as well yeah you know thor ragnarok pretty much didn't play much in the way of setup to the forthcoming Infinity War. You know, this this film, it, it's establishing a character that we've already met in, in Civil War, which is now two years ago. Mm. You know, hard to believe. Jim, first first thoughts going in. What were your expectations of Black Panther? I, I, I thought I was going in with no baggage at all. I, I, I used to read uh, Hulk and Spider-Man as a kid and pretty much everyone we've seen in the, in the Marvel Universe so far figured at some point in one of the comics I've read except for Black Panther. I knew nothing about him. I knew mm. nothing of his history. I knew nothing of his origin. I didn't know what marks they had to hit uh, in terms of sort of fan service. Mm. So it was, it was absolutely fresh. So yeah, that's where I was with the, with that. The baggage that I brought into me was from other fi- into this film, was from other films that I'd seen that certain, certain bits of this film may had me thinking about. I was thinking about that and I just thought, oh, that's baggage that I shouldn't be bringing into this. Hmm. Um, but we'll, we'll come to that. Neil? 
Yeah, very similarly, to be honest. I knew nothing of the character other than what I'd seen in Civil War. I enjoyed him in Civil War. I thought he was a great character, and it was a, great, a very sort of subtle introduction as well to the character. It didn't feel like as if it was just tacked on. I will say, having watched, uh, rewatched Civil War uh, a couple of weeks ago with my son, I had a newfound appreciation. I was not excited about this film until I'd done the rewatch of Civil War. Mm. As crazy as it sounds, he was probably my favourite character in Civil War on the rewatch. Yeah. Um, I think he was a lot of people's favourite when, you, when you've When you've got uh, the sort of big hit, there's the Iron Man and Cap, obviously, and the, the Bucky uh, Winter Soldier sort of storyline as well. And as much as I enjoyed him first time round, the second time round, I had a newfound appreciation for him and the way he dealt with things and the way he sort of conducted himself when everyone else was losing their shit, really. Yeah. Although I did have massive expectations for this film, it had gone up a hell of a lot after that rewatch. Yeah. That being said, like as Jim was saying, we've got very little sort of backstory so the baggage isn't there but yeah, yeah I was uh, looking forward to it yeah um, my experience with Black Panther is from the the more, more recent stories from about the past 10 or 15 years stories like Civil War Secret Invasion the, the, for me the, the period where, where Marvel sort of peaked where he was already an established character and he was in a relationship with Storm from the X-Men. Now, I don't know much about his actual origins in the comics. I, I know him from the point of view of I came in, where he was already established. He, he was just, you know, he, he wasn't a particularly, particularly standout character. Uh, but, you know, the way he was established in, in Civil War, I thought, like you said, was very well handled. Yeah, you know, we see him in Before Long, you know, he's, he's thrust yeah. into a situation where he's... He's no longer the prince in waiting. He is next in line to the throne because his father gets killed in, in a terrorist attack. He, he was one of my favourite characters from Civil War, even though in a film that's already bursting with characters, I think everyone got their moment to shine. He certainly did. Mm. And like you say, coming in as a new character as well. Yeah. You know. um, going into this, though, i got to be honest, my expectations weren't that high simply because I wasn't really that impressed with the trailers. I thought some of the effects... You know, the, Cars, yeah, the, cars. yeah. The, there's a big action scene set in Korea. A lot of the effects in that they're sort of a little bit weightless. Even in the final film, I don't think they. It, some... it lacks it lacks some impact for me. Um, with it being shot at night, if you look at uh, the Civil War car chase, that looked it, it was incredible. It, it looked real. Yeah. Whereas this yeah, had course. a slight sort of CG element to it. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, a little bit too cartoonish. I, I agree. And so after that trailer, I went. I. I, my expectations weren't that high, to be honest with you. Mm. And I've got to say, I actually came out liking the film a lot more than I thought I would. I've had a lot more time to dwell on the film than you guys have. Yeah. Uh, just yeah, we're literally just out of the cinema. We've literally, yeah, out, yeah. we've literally recorded this less than two hours after Neil and Jim have seen the film. I've had a lot longer to dwell on the film. And as much as I came out of the cinema thinking I would be putting this in the lower end of the, the much lower end of the Marvel Cinematic Universe films I've actually been thinking about it a lot and dwelling on a lot of the things in it it's a very political film from a certain point of view it's a very bold film in the political statements it's making which is not something that Disney would usually do and as much as this is Marvel Studios it's still under the Disney umbrella yeah, I'll give you that I think Ryan Coogler he's created a film that tonally feels quite a bit different to a lot of the Marvel films there isn't an over-reliance on humour, which I think, as much as that's a benefit, is sometimes to the film's detriment, because I think these films do need an injection of humour just to balance the, the more sombre moments. I don't like to give my you know final verdict on a film I've only just seen, because I, I've still only seen it earlier today. today. I think it's a grower. I think it's definitely going to benefit from a second viewing. 
and I certainly think it's going to benefit from seeing the bigger picture when we see this film bleed into the events of Infinity War, where, as we've seen from the trailers, Wakanda plays a massive part. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a given, really, that the timing of this film is going to be, in essence, to set up vital scenes in Infinity yeah. War. That being said, sometimes with certain franchises, and not so much Marvel, but they do do it every now and then, they slightly annoy me, where I think, yeah, okay... I, there's only so many Easter eggs. There's only so many little tidbits I want to see. Yeah. You know, this film on its on its own could be a standalone film. If 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 we didn't have an MCU, if this was the first MCU, mm. it's quite capable of being a, its own standalone yeah. film. Yeah. So, like I say, I I do think that like, as you say, as time goes on, and this happens a lot of the time with a lot of the Marvel series, you find a newfound appreciation of films you already like, but you appreciate more and you actually enjoy more with hindsight. Yeah. With this film, if this had been the first MCU film, it's a good standalone story. It's a great uh, sort of character-driven piece, and the, the, in essence, you know that could work. But I will agree with you. I do think a lot of this has been put into place to pay off at a later date. Yeah, I do. And I, I think because you know we're setting up a place that is like this utopia. There's this beautiful paradise that's been cut off from the rest of the world. They actually, you know, they weave that into a lot of the sort of um, political undercurrent of the film the fact that you've got this african nation african known for being you know a, a poor third world country yet you've got this small pocket of incredible wealth and it, it basically looks like a, a city from the future doesn't it, it, it it's yeah. like they're ahead, ahead yeah the they're, they're like a hundred years in the yeah. future because of the fact that they sit on this massive mineral ore deposit from a, a meteorite that struck in africa millions of years ago and they've got this massive cache of, of vibranium which is the most valuable metal on, on on the planet it's got loads of you know, incredible uses it, it's virtually indestructible and there is there is some essence to that i mean when you look so say that was the first thing i thought was the beginning of the film it was actually bothering me a bit it was you know how can you have so much wealth in a third world country i mean later on as the film explains yeah there's reasons for they, that. they were very isolationist but uh, i suppose we all got that, we've all got that stroke of luck anyway like you say like just they were just lucky enough that the meteor hit them we've all got that struggle a lot uh, that's lucky you, you just, well, you're, just, you're just born where you're born aren't you is what I'm saying you, you, yeah. know, you, yeah. you, you could be born in a field world country or you could be born in the richest country in the world just by your chance really. but yeah, that, what do you think of that little opening scene with the, the story being told of the history of Wakanda with um, as you'll see in the film they've got this this sort of it looks like kinetic sand, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. And, and, and it's sort of this malleable sort of substance oh, which they hard, use to communicate yeah, it, it, yeah, but it's like a sort of solid, tangible yeah. technology that's way beyond. You know, it looks like nanotechnology. Yeah. But the way it gives a little introduction, yeah. I was thinking, I like yeah, that. I like that a lot. I like that. That reminded me of um, a similar scene. Is it was it in Wonder Woman yeah. where you see using like a, a very painterly technique? It shows the history of uh, the Themyscira, the, 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 yeah. the Amazonians, in a, in a style that was quite. It just looked very different and you know, quite unique. And it was a good way to put exposition in at, a, at a, early on in the film. Yeah, Without having a character yeah, saying, yeah, this is the history yeah. of our people, which wouldn't come across as natural, because why would this... Uh, I'd, I'd much rather see that than some sort of tapestry <coughs> or you know, cave painting type thing yeah, yeah, yeah. in previous films. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I thought that was a very good opening. Yeah. I, think, I think everyone in the film was great. I don't think anyone in it was really bad or poor. I think um, the, problem, the problem with it for me, I thought it was very average. I didn't think for a, for a Marvel film, 
I think it's a good film. For Marvel Studios. Okay, for you. Marvel Studios film. There was no standout massive, oh yes! But then again, I don't know anything about the character. But you know, there was no Ant-Man going to giant man moment. There was no Hulk going mental. But the, there was, those, there was those, nothing. But yeah, you, you, you're referring there to the team-up films. We, we can only, I think we can only fairly compare this to the other standalone films like Ant-Man, Thor, Doctor Strange, Thor, Thor Iron yeah. Man. Ant-Man, Ant-Man, I think is brilliant. I, th- I don't think the writing was there. I, th- I think they were ill-served with that. I think they were, there was not, there was not much dialogue. There was certainly none of the usual snappy dialogue, certainly nothing like Ant-Man. Um, yeah, but then he's trying to be more regal. So they say that the kings don't don't have a laugh until but until about an hour until about, about, about laugh, probably thirty minutes ago. I'd agree with you on that, but I'm just the more I think of it, and like you say, time gives you time to settle in. Is this Marvel trying to do a different type of film? Yeah, oh, absolutely. You know? the, it's it's a film considering they've done eighteen films, superhero films. You don't want to see the it's same a totally thing again. different yeah, film again. We haven't seen this before. I'll give him that. Let's, did I enjoy it as much? No, I didn't. We I, came, I, we, I did enjoy it, but nowhere near as much. I think it's safe to say. I know you were definitely. I think you were there as well. We all came out of Ant Man, and we yeah. were, we were like, wow, a heist movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we've come out of this and we've gone, wow, a regal story. Game or, of Thrones. You know, Game of Thrones. Game or, of Thrones. Yeah, 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 yeah it know, is. So. It is, yeah. Literally, Game of Thrones. Well, Marvel Studios have said it was Killmonger. Uh, I can't think of Oh, Michael name. B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan, Jordan has yeah. said that this is Marvel Studios' Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah okay, I can see that. Here we go with that. He's, I think he's been quoted as saying that. It's got a feel all of its own. It has. It's an aesthetic all of its own. Yeah. I, the yeah, cost of yeah, guys. Yeah, give you that. When, right, since something like Lord of the Rings... Yeah. Have you seen such fantastic costuming in a film? And attention to detail. Now, did you guys see the IMAX version? No, I we didn't. Right. I saw we, that. Had to, we had to go to the 2D version because we, wanted, we had to make sure we were here to do a podcast. I, I, saw, <laughs> I saw the film in 2D IMAX. Yeah. So it was obviously Lovely. 2D, but Lush, the, yeah. you still have the higher frame, the 1.90 to yeah. 1 aspect ratio. The detail was incredible. Early on in the film, I was just floored by the level of detail in the costuming. Everyone in that film just looked incredible. Yeah, dressed they, to the nines. Yeah, it was. It just looked unbelievable. Everyone in Wakanda just looked like nothing you'd ever seen. Yeah. Each of those five different tribes within the Wakandans looked different. Yeah, it looked fantastic. As much as some of the CGI in parts did fall down, mm. if you look at the percentage of that film that is enhanced by CGI yeah. or you know green screen. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of it. Uh, so they're not going to get it all right. So that I think is you, what we have knocked DC for, isn't it? You yeah. have knocked DC for produ- producing this. An artificial effects. looking. But they, they didn't, you know. In fairness to Marvel. That I was going to say, in fairness to Marvel against the sort of DC argument, if you want to set Superman or Batman against a city backdrop, you've already proven with Christopher Nolan doing The Dark Knight, you can do it real. Yeah. But, you know? In this film, it was a great thing I saw on Twitter the other day where someone was criticising because they weren't filmed in Africa and the, the reply was, yeah, most of Star Wars wasn't actually filmed in space. space either. Yeah. I think they've, they've set out to create their own world. So you, I, I've kind of given Marvel a break with that. It would have been great if they'd gone to, it uh, wouldn't have to be Africa, it could be any location where it looked right. But they've kind of said that Wakanda is, like you say, almost this mythical sort yeah. of town, city world, isn't it? So... But it did sometimes take me out of it a little bit, I will be honest. It did look a little bit too CGI in certain parts. The, the parts that weren't supposed to look artificial, when they did, it stood out. Yeah. The, the parts that were artificial, when it, during the film, uh, you, you will have seen from the trailers, uh, King T'Challa stood in what looks like the Savannah Plains with Northern Lights in the background. 
Yeah. 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 As you all know, if you've seen the film, that is actually some sort of afterlife, spirit which he's world. the spirit world which he's visiting. When they actually got to that point in the film, I thought, wow, right, so this isn't the real world. I thought, now that can look as artificial as it was. Yeah. It actually looked yeah. really good. Yeah. It might be a bit of Avatar. Yeah, 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 but it, you know, things like that, you know, it, it looked beautiful. I'm going to show you a still now, as much as I know, obviously, this is audio. <laughs> right? Great for radio. Was that not He's watching little scenes bird. like that where yeah. um, you, you see later on in the film where Killmonger gets the Wakandan people to set, to, to burn the the source of all their the, the source of all their powers these, these flowers yeah there's a scene where he's just stood flanked by these two stone panthers with with all the fire in the background and little shots like I thought yeah you know Ryan Coogler he's got a great eye for you know filling the frame making it look interesting the film looks incredible. Yeah. On, the, on the whole, apart yeah, does, from the, 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 where the CG falls down in parts, and that's usually in some of the action scenes, it does look great. Mm. I think, yeah? I think the, early on, I, I said talked about earlier about the baggage I bought in, I yeah. kept thinking of The Lion King, yeah. And, yeah. And, I, and I kept thinking of coming to America. Well, we and actually, that's because we actually, I've we watched actually, those yeah. films so many times that when you see a beautiful Afri- African, African yeah. plane, you think, the Lion King, you expect Adam and John to keep doing because the first 20 minutes, we sort of nudged each other and had a little giggle between yeah. we sang Circle of Life under our breath. Yeah. And, but but the, that's stuff we brought with us. The, 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 the first 20 minutes, that did fill me with a little bit of trepidation. I yeah. thought, you know, have they really just shit the bed with this one? But uh, they pulled me back in, I've got to be honest, they pulled me back in. Yeah, I think I think the career scene was good. Yeah, but it, wasn't like, it wasn't like a superhero movie. It was like uh, it was like a Game of Thrones. There wasn't much superheroing well, going on. Got there to... was there was interfactional tribal warring going on. Yeah, I suppose uh, you could. But look, you don't get many superheroes. You could look at that with a sort of Asgardian sort of. Yeah, well, sort of, that's the closest thing yeah, they've got to it. The closest thing. Ryan Coogler has said that he, he he was looking at certain parts of that film as being a James Bond film. Now I know when they when they got to uh, was it Singapore they got to. You, Korea. you and I, uh, Korea. Korea, sorry, you and I both sort of nudged each other. Yeah, and straight away went to, went to the bond. Bond's been to that casino, and it looked exactly yeah. the same. But that actually worked for me, and it was you know when he had Money Penny as you know acting, as his backup. Yeah. You had, um, yeah, the, the the other ladies there acting as his backup. Yeah, the ladies were the ladies were kicking ass again. In this and one. that fight scene, really, really the, good. the fight scene in the Korean club. Yeah, great. Where you have oh. it's like a sort of tribal chant building yeah. up and building up, and then that becomes a sort of. Percussive note where then they're fighting, yeah. Uh, what, what's her name? Um, Danai Guerrera from The Walking, the Walking Dead, Dead as, as a Kaye. Uh, she, she is fantastic funny. in the yeah. film, absolutely stand fantastic. Stand fantastic. Out, you know, you've got you've got her, you've got Lupita Nyongo as, as Nakaya, who is um, T'Challa's love interest, and then you've got Letitia Wright as Shuri, his younger sister. The, the three female main characters, not not counting Angela Bassett, who's got a much yeah. smaller role, I think are fantastic. Andy Serkis. A- Andy Serkis. Andy Serkis. We are, do, we are doing spoilers. Yes. And he looks big. Again, what, muscly what, men. He looks big. Well, we're going to come back to muscly men yeah. in a minute, my friend. Yeah. Andy Serkis uh, as Ulysses. Was it Co- Ulysses Claw. Yeah. yeah. What a waste of a character. You think? Yeah. No, no, I think not at all. I didn't want to see him die at the end. Oh, no, I want no, to no, see no, more I know, of him. I know, yeah, but I the, want to the, see more of him. You do want to see more of him. And I think that's why when you have, again, spoiler alert, when you have Eric Killmonger kill him, yeah, and it, also, it, it puts him then on a, on a higher pedestal. Well, because at that point, I thought uh, Ulysses Claw is a step ahead of everyone else. Yeah, and he's, he's even, this guy. Even after the, the, the stuff we see him pull in uh, Avengers Age of Ultron, yeah. he is now selling to the CIA. 
yeah, yeah. and that's what I was going to say what I said what we don't read it is what a waste of the character he, he, you know, they, they wasted the character there Sorry. it was great when he died it came as a real shock to me yeah. because I thought this I is this is going to be like a recurring character because yeah, he, he I mean he's great in everything he's great he's great he's he's great as everything whether he's live yeah. action or whether he's CGI yeah. cap, you know sort of portray your motion capture he's great in everything but in this film I thought this could be like a recurring character and, and if, this guy, if this guy had come back and suddenly been Thanos' right hand man on earth or something I'd have bought that let's go back to the Game of Thrones comparison yeah when, when yeah. Ned Stark got his head cut off yeah. the reason that stings so much is because you were so into that character you liked him so much yeah. you wanted him so to get the better of the Lannisters yeah. especially if you're one season behind and haven't seen it and a friend of yours <laughs> lends you a box set and then says, wait till season two, Neil, Ned Stark really kicks ass. <laughs> <laughs> Devious. Yes, I did do I did do that, didn't I, Neil? Just to sort yes. of soften the blow. But how much how much more of a sickening oh, yeah. kick in the nuts was it when you realised he was dead? Oh my god, it was it was, it was the greatest gift you've ever given me. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we've had three children together. But <laughs> <laughs> well, getting back to getting back to Black Panther, the villains, the bad guys were brilliant. I had no problem with them. The story was fine, had no problem with that. I, don't know yeah, what I, I did have a problem it, It's with. because I think, Jim, it lacked those massive peaks. Yeah. Films like uh, well, Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange, I let's, let's be fantastic. honest. When they get to. Is it, is it Shanghai? Or. Where they yeah. have the, the big showdown? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're they're having a fight with, with Hong Kong where yeah. time is going back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. Well, the, the opening scene in London as well. Is yeah, the opening scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doctor Strange has got a lot All of the peaks. Type stuff. Uh, and as much as I think the main peak for me in this film was the scene in Korea. Yeah. Don't think there was anything in this yeah. film really when I go, do you remember that scene? Or, you know, I want to show someone this scene as, as yeah. so, how something should be done. Has it Has it got... Has it got... Look, oh, I, th- I think, as, as time goes on now, when I came out with the, seeing this film earlier on today, I, I thought that my, my feelings about the film would just go downhill because there'd be not so much things I'd pick apart because I, didn't, I don't have any major problems with any of the, the plot or, or anything in it really. No, I'm not I just thought, problems. because I, I, I wasn't feeling those sort of moments where I, I almost want to clap, which in, in a lot of the yeah. recent MCU films, there have been lots of those. Yeah. Because there were none of those, yeah. and because they are the things I take for granted now in these films, I, I was like missing out on, on a lot of what the film does right, which is more the overall tone of the film. Mm-hmm. A lot of the political commentary in the film, yeah. which I think when you watch it a second time, where you, you're putting aside all your expectations about the action and what's going to happen and whatever, I think a lot of that is going to stand out more. But none of this uh, was shoehorned in either. No, well. no, there's, there's one, no. There was one or two scenes with a political commentary, but I noticed and I thought, I can see what they're doing there, but I didn't feel I was being preached to. No, not at, all, being, not at all. Not at all. I've got a record of saying. natural. If you look at the last Star Wars, there's an agenda there. And Massive. And sometimes Massively it's, so. It's, it's I'd so, rather not look at the last Star Wars. Well, yeah, I was going to say, but sometimes it's so on the nose, it's so heavy handed. Whereas with this film, it was actually relevant. It did. It wasn't. It, I didn't feel as if it was just presented yeah. in such a way that it was just being put there to tick a box or to make someone happy. It was something it was, that character would say. It was rel- and it was relevant to the storyline too. Yeah. It was relevant to the characters' arcs. It was relevant to the sort of actual plot, and you know, that works. Yeah. That works for me. The the other thing I thought was odd is they did with the first challenge fight. As they did, my pet hate is they cut it to hell. And I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know whether one of them wasn't up to the mark or whatever. But it was one of those. It's one of those sword fights that that drive me up the wall where you can't see what's going on. Mm-hmm. So and looking at the action from the rest of the film, especially uh, especially with the girls fighting with the, with the spears, yeah. you can see exactly what's going on. And with this, we're like, well, what, what, what are you doing? It had that feel that we we were talking afterwards. It had that feel of um, 
what we were calling the, the Liam Neeson cut. Yeah. Which is where someone can't quite sort of pull it off, you know, yeah. when someone's... And they do that sort of fast cut to make it look as if yeah. the character's doing it, and it just really looks jarring. It just gets on my wick. Yeah. But that, that was... Um, yeah, that was the only downside of the film I think I had. But I'm with you. It's a good film. I liked it, but it was it was lacking the Marvel stand and applaud. Uh, yeah. And I wasn't standing and applauding and at I, any point. I will say, yeah, there's been several times, especially the last, I'd say at least the last four or five Marvel films, where I've had at least one moment where the hairs have stood up on my arm. And yeah. that was missing from this film. But, like you say, with hindsight now, is this time to settle? And it's a different type of story. And perhaps yeah. it doesn't need that. Perhaps I'm being too much of a Marvel fanboy here and expecting the same thing every time. And perhaps, perhaps they're doing me a service by not giving me that every time. Do you now have a greater understanding of and appreciation for the main character, T'Challa? Are, are you happier now where you no. are with him going into Infinity War? Am I happier? I, I was just thinking then, as you were as you were speaking, we we had the we had the intro and then superheroing in Civil War, and that was fine. Mm. This this is something totally different. I don't know what I don't know what this is. It's not a superhero film. It's not it's not um, anything like we've seen before. It is it is about Dynasty and all that, all those sorts yeah. of stuff. Is it a superhero film? Is my next question. It, it is a superhero film. If we work off the, the theory of, you know, not every superhero, like first to say, Tony Stark hasn't got superpowers. You know, yeah, he just, he's got he has, a suit and yeah, money, which is what and man, you know, and so on. Like that. so, it is. Yeah. It is. What I will say is, there's there was a certain unless there's a big payoff, which I'm purely confident there's going to be a big payoff in Infinity War. Did we need to see this film? That film yeah. was so self the character was so well introduced in, yeah, so, yeah. in Civil War that had we gone to Wakanda in Infinity War been would, happy. would I have missed out on this film? I can't say until I've seen Infinity War <laughs> but at the moment that yeah. character was so well introduced and so well portrayed is it uh, Chadwick Boseman he is perfect in that role yeah. Yeah. he is absolutely perfect in uh, that yeah, role yeah no he, yeah, he's he, good role and I think he may go the same way of we were talking about the Tony Starks you know the, the, the actor you know Robert Downey Jr is always going to be Tony Stark Ryan Reynolds is always going to be Deadpool yeah. easily see him always being Black Panther yeah, I yeah. think Black Panther is going to play a bigger part than, we, than we're giving him credit for well moment. definitely because I think in Infinity War that the main target is going to be Wakanda because we've seen all of the other stones. We know roughly where they are. We know yeah. for the fact that Thanos has got the Power Stone yeah. and the the Space Stone. The only one we haven't seen is the Soul Stone. Everyone Actually. is saying that it's probably going to be in Wakanda. So yeah. what, basically, all of the Avengers, all of the you know, and, and the Guardians of the Galaxy, and everyone, or any characters that do end up on Earth, maybe the Guardians will be fighting elsewhere. Yeah. They're going to be fighting to protect this place that they've established. In this film. In this film. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's an interesting way to go. I think they had to make a Black Panther film. They've made it. It's good. There's lots of good stuff in it, but it's a standard, it's just sort of action-y film. There's nothing, there's nothing that's going to make me jump up and down. Yeah, I'll agree with you on that. So I keep doing it all the time. I'm trying to, it's not that I'm trying to look wise after the event. I've got a feeling this is going to come back and really sort of mm. pay off. This is really going to pay off. The film itself, at the moment, I've enjoyed it. I've not loved it. Yeah, yeah now, I'm, I'm the same. I've enjoyed the film. I, I haven't loved it. But as Neil will tell you, two of my favourite Marvel films now are Iron Man 2, which I'm a strong defender of, yeah. which I spoke about at length yeah. on um, episode 210 of Wrong Reel, where myself and James Hancock went through all of the MCU films at the time. And I put forward my defence of Iron Man 2. Neil will tell you, 
when I first saw Iron Man two, I was not a big fan. Iron Man three when we came out, we, I, we literally we were we were jaws on the floor, weren't we? When we, we were. Out, we were. Distraught. That was not what we were expecting. We were distraught. We were. I have since watched Iron Man through. Made myself watch it uh, two, three, four times more. I love the film now because I now get it. Yeah. I, I now fully appreciate what they did with the Mandarin. Yeah. I really do because if anything, if they'd gone the real way with the Mandarin, he was a little bit of an out of date, um, possibly racial stereotype yeah. that they wouldn't want to be put in as one uh, of their main and villains. It doesn't really fit into the story no. arc of the MCU, does it? Not at all. At the time with the Mandarin, um, like. You guys know, but I'll say for the benefit of people listening. Usually, Marvel films I see at least twice because I'll go with you guys and yeah. watch a film, mm-hmm. and then a couple of days later, my son, who's a massive Marvel fan, comes with me. Sometimes he comes with us. Sometimes he comes sometimes with me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or vice versa. Sometimes I'll go with my son first, and then I'll go with you guys, yeah. depending on you know our own sort of itineraries. This film, usually, if I go to watch a Marvel film without without Zach, I'll then be looking forward to seeing it yeah this film I've got to be honest at the moment I can take or leave but I've got a feeling within a day or two's time within a day or two's time I'll be looking forward to the second viewing of this film I think it's as I I think as as it settles in a little bit more at the moment I'm not that enthusiastic about seeing it again I will see it again but I'm not like a lot of Marvel films going oh I can't wait to see that again yeah and that's 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 how I am now yeah Right, guys, what do we think of the quite overt political statements that the film is making? And it's, it's trying. I think it's making a, it's making a few, but some of them are quite not. on the nose. It could not. And I think it should be. Yeah. It, it was a little on the nose, but I, I think it wasn't heavy-handed, and it worked It, it worked perfectly mm. for me. I think the media, sort of leading up to it, have been saying, you know, it's the first time there's been a, a black superhero. Yeah, Blade? I think it's... I, yeah, yeah, people are forgetting Blade. Where's his side supposed to be gutted? Yeah. Blade, the first Blade, is one of the best films. And although, best, it's, it's, one, it's one of my favourite. Fantastic And although it wasn't Marvel Studios, we've got to look at how relevant Blade is. I'd still love to see Snipes return to Blade. It's a film that's kicked off a franchise of comic book films can be made. Yeah. And yeah. it can be bloody and, and violent. Uh, because but, people, people credit 2000's X-Men as being the one that kick-started yeah. all of this. But let's uh, just remember that in Blade. 1998, Blade, Blade came out and was... A successful film and it spawned two and, sequels. Yeah. Let's be honest, it did it, it twice over because it was an R-rated comic yeah, film. It was, it was that's an right. adult-aimed comic film. Very much People R-rated. now are amazed now that Logan and Deadpool and these films can have success. Yeah. The film that actually kickstarted this off yeah. was Blade. Was yeah. Blade, uh, and, uh, I would, and I would argue probably the most graphic out of all those films. But but the thing the thing at the time was it was just a comic book film. Now comic book films are so massive and imagine, they're so pervasive. Can you imagine if they that, made Blade now? That a, that they're all turning in and going, oh, this is the first time they've done a black a black superhero, and you're like, yeah, yeah. No. because so, no one gave a shit back then. So it was, it was a comic book film. I think it's it's, it's, yeah. it's like doing a lot of disservice to the Blade franchise, certainly to the first one, which you know we all yeah. love. Yeah. But yeah, you know, this is okay. This is since comic book movies have exploded. This is the first primarily all black cast yeah. superhero film yeah. or comic Fair book point. film. Fair point. And from that point of view, I yeah. think it's a very important film. They don't is, drop the ball. They don't drop the ball no. at all. None of the political messages are rammed down your throat. You know, a lot of them are is attacking Wakanda for being isolationist, and, mm. and Killmonger wants to get all of that wealth and wants to redistribute it purely amongst yeah. African descendants. Mm. But then T'Challa at the end is just like, no, 
I'm going to let the world benefit because I want to bring us all together. And I think the message at the end, you say about his on the back of your neck moments, and again tying this all into Infinity War, what is he saying at the end? Yeah. He is saying that we need to work together now. And this is again, yeah. which well, this, is, this is a real you world. so do. <laughs> this is a real world message, isn't it? Yeah. Then you have that thing of we all need to work together. All he needed to do was say because something else is coming. He he's not going to say that because maybe at that point he does know. We know because we know that Thanos is coming, no. and we also know that the fight is going to be centered on Wakanda. At that point, I thought you've laid the groundwork. You've made a very level-headed final political statement of we should all be pulling together, all nations, all creeds, colors, religions, and if that's the final message of the film, then. I, well, I, I will say we, you know, like I say, cards on the table. We we haven't discussed the film prior. The one thing I we have discussed that I did bring out to you, it bothered me. I thought the timeline was off, and then you rightfully pointed out that sometimes the little teaser trailers we get at the end, the little Easter eggs. Yeah, we the, get the, the, I think what, what you're referring to near there is the post credits scenes. Post credits don't yeah. don't run chronologically. No, they, they so when I was watching, way after. So when I was watching that, I was assuming this had taken place just after. Mm. the events in the film yeah. so it didn't have the same impact no I, and I know I, I should have mentioned it because we have a little sort of pact we're not going to talk about the film beforehand when I mentioned that and you've sort of corrected me I think had I viewed it with that set of eyes then yeah mm. probably the hitters on the back of my neck might have gone up a little bit yeah. more another throwback to Avengers Age of Ultron because obviously this film's got quite a few with Ulysses Claw and obviously um, Age of Ultron did set up Wakanda mm is the bit of the end where in Avengers Age of Ultron where Cap is about to say Avengers assemble and it cuts yeah this film finishes in the same way mm. it's a little call back to that where, where they, I think it says something like what do we call you and he well oh, I was going to say the same token with that I was expecting because I actually said to you as, if, as that when cut, cut off I went I'm not Iron Man because yeah. <laughs> it just reminded me of Tony yeah. Stark's yeah. press conference at the end yeah there, you know, there are a lot of little callbacks in the film like that and with these films they're so full of Easter eggs. They're so cleverly made. Even mm. the subtle ones. Like, you know, I, I watched uh, Spider-Man Homecoming three or four times now. Mm. And I'm still looking at little articles in relation to it where, with these ones, like, you know, the 15 best e Easter eggs from the MCU. Yeah. Uh, and I'm seeing ones even in Spider-Man Homecoming that I hadn't seen. And I've usually got quite a good eye, certainly with Spider-Man films, uh. with these little Easter eggs. Now, I think... Black Panther is going to be full of those. Yeah, you like know, we, we, we're forced into a, into a situation here where we've just seen the film today and... Yeah. Even if we, even if now we were recording this in, in a few days' time, we're still only benefiting from seeing it once. I think a film like this needs to be seen again, especially with the MCU films, as Neil will attest. There's a few of them which I haven't liked, which I now love, yeah. on that second or third viewing, which is so valuable. Yeah, Other films yeah. like Doctor Strange, where my opinion hasn't changed. Mm. I really enjoyed it the first time. I really enjoyed it the second and third times. Yeah. What I will say with Marvel films is even films that I have loved on first viewing, like Civil War, I thought that was... A nine out of ten film. I haven't done a recent rewatch of it. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, that's a nine and a half, possibly a ten out of ten film. They, right. they'll, I always appreciate the film more, more. second time. Yeah. Let's know? do a little bit of personal contextualizing. You guys think back to when we saw Avengers: Age of Ultron. Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't know if you recall. I was the first to see it. Yeah. I think yeah, you know, it was a, an early showing, and I came out of that. You guys saw it. And we I kept, went again, yeah, again. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Carbon copy of what's happened today. We went. We went I, I kept quiet, later. and then you guys were just literally gushing about the film, and I was the only one out of the group of us, and, yeah. and there were I think a group of about five or six of us. I was the one who was <laughs> was overtly negative about the film. Yeah. Yeah. 
And it wasn't until I saw it a second time that I realised what my issue was. And I now love Avengers Age of Ultron, and that is a film that gets a slate in, and I am now one of his strongest defenders. Do you know what it was? What? what? I sat through a two and a half hour film, and for the, for the first half hour of that film, I was just me. My bladder started to fill half an hour into that film, to the point where I, I refused to go to the toilet. By the end, I was so uncomfortable, I couldn't wait for the film to end. That film was spoiled by my own, pers- my own personal um, experience watching that film. Guys... I saw this film in a cinema which there were no children, there were no you know youngsters shouting and whatever. No one taking my attention away from the film. Did you guys have the same experience, or was your viewing of it spoiled by? I'm not going to say it was loudmouth people. I'm not going to say it was spoiled by children because there were quite a large sort of contingent of children there, and they were the no, best. Yeah, they were yeah, the best no, behaved. Didn't you have a group of right. young lads sat in no. front of you that were? No, it was young no, girls actually. We had young girls and oh, right, yeah, we girls. had young girls yeah. and. Um, they were laughing at stuff, and you're just like, "What are you laughing at?" There was like blatantly unfunny lines that they were laughing at, and sometimes I could take you. Out. We were both so like, once or twice looked at each other, no, like, no. "What's funny what about this?" this? What yeah. about this? I, I went into Age of Ultron the second time I came out, and I was like, "Guys, yeah, okay, I've seen it properly now." I did that with Blade Runner, the last one, twenty forty-nine. Yeah, you did. You did. I kept went in, hated it. Um, hated is a strong word, Jim, isn't it? A film which is universally no, loved. You hated it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I came out of it first time thinking it was awful. Uh, and what do you think of it now? Uh, I, like, I like it. So there you go. So, uh, yeah, you know, we're in a position where we're having to. And we're going to come to scores shortly because yes, you know, unfortunately, we're, in the age we live well, in. I think we, people, missed, I think we missed one vital thing it is Michael B. Jordan. Oh yeah, Michael, Michael, Michael B. Jordan, Michael B. Jordan is fantastic. Right. Let me just let me just get my because I've done two muscly men wrestling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Recently, recently, as fans of the podcast will know, I'm a big Rocky fan. Yes, yeah. we all. Yeah. Neil especially. Recently, it's been mooted that Sage Northcott, the UFC fighter, was going to play uh, the character of Ivan Drago's son in Creed Two. To me, I couldn't have picked anyone better. Bring it on! <laughs> Literally, I'm pretty convinced that Dol- Dolph Lundgren is his dad. Yeah, yeah, could be. They've now picked a character whose name, sorry, an actor slash model slash professional boxer whose name I'm not even going to try and pronounce as the the son of Drago, which is fine. You know, I'm not a massive Sage Northcott fan. That's fine. I can deal with that. But my one main concern was Creed Jr., Adonis Creed, is a light heavyweight. This guy is a heavyweight boxer and will look fucking huge next to Michael B. Jordan. Mm. Well... Yet, yet again, my <laughs> my fears have been relayed by a muscly man because yeah, when that scene man. where Jordan first took his top off, that guy is jacked. He's yeah, huge. He's yeah. Yeah. I think the storyline to Creed Two is going to involve Adonis Creed going up the heavyweight. Going back to a lot of people have got issues with um, a lot of the villains in the, in, in the MCU. I don't think that the, the problem is yeah. half as bad as people make out. They're just looking, I think, for something to... It's an easy target. It's an easy target. And some of them, like uh, the, the the elf from Thor The Dark World that no one can remember. What's his name? Uh, Chris, Doctor number nine played him, that's all I know. But what I will say is, with that, uh, is that down to the character itself, or is it just I think even to... Christopher Eccleston has said he was a weak... Uh, yeah. a poorly written character, he didn't have much to do with it's him. Just he was buried under makeup. And it was the Ronin, is Ronin or Ronin? Ronin the Accuser. The Accuser. I, I quite like Ronin. I quite like Ronin. Yeah, uh, you know, I quite like him. I think Lee Pace's he, he's he's quite um, over the top with him the way he plays him. I yeah. like him. Do you think right? And like Kevin Feige doesn't get much wrong. No. Right? Is there Casting a is right, spot on? Yeah, is there a theory the behind this where? Look at these films. Look how much money they're taking. Yeah. All right. Yeah. People have a little pop over the, the villains aren't that good. Do you think he's that bothered? And do you think he's really thinking? Because wait till fucking Thanos comes and then you're going to see a villain. Exactly. Now, what no. I will say with a Netflix type series, 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the, the way those villains, like Kingpin and yeah. David Tennant, is oh, killer David Tennant yeah. is killer My son's a massive Doctor Who fan. I would never let him watch that because his favourite Doctor is David yeah. Tennant. There's no way he's watching Kilgrave because that'll just ruin Doctor Number 10 for him. He's, he's got he's got a very simple power or ability. Mm. Yeah, for me, is one of the most. For, for the first four episodes, you don't even see Kilgrave, no. really. Yeah. And then, but you're already shit scared of him. And by yeah. the time you do see him and what he's capable of, he is just phenomenal. Now, the common, deno- good, the common denominator with both those and the guy whose name I can't remember from the Punisher series, I'm, I will apologise for that. The common denominator with that is they're victims of circumstance, they're victims of upbringing. Mm-hmm. I found this was the same with Michael B. Jordan's yeah. character. They, and this is why, like you were saying, is it a superhero film per se? The same way we could look at the Netflix sort of Daredevil. Well, they're, they're comic book films. Let's not call them superhero yeah. films because they, you yeah. know. Yeah, they, well, they, that's what I was say. If you look at the Netflix sort of Luke Cage, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, there's sort of lower down the the, the, the food chain, if you like, yeah, of the superheroes. Yeah, and I think they've kind of done the same thing here, where they've it's been more character and story driven. Did you did you think though, going like with Daredevil especially, he, he's always getting his ass handed to him. He's always getting battered and mm-hmm. brut- brutalized. Did you ever feel that this guy was threatened? Did you ever feel that? The, the Black Panther was yeah. even even Absolutely. even when he went over that cliff. Absolutely, when there was no situation well, where he was first, in peril. The first fight with him and Killmonger, that was like it was fairly yeah, okay, yeah. Right. It's a given. It's a given that he hasn't killed him when he throws yeah. him off the cliff. That, I'm going to accept that. But the actual fight itself, the first sort of 20, 30 seconds was like you're bigger than me, you're stronger than me, but I've got guile, I've got skill. And then it was like fuck, you were gonna. Yeah, you're gonna kill me. And we'd already seen and him. The, the way he did it as well, it was was from the point of that first spear going in. Yeah. It was slow. It was meticulous, yeah. and it was nasty and yeah. brutal. And we yeah. also saw how calculated he is. The way he just dispatched Claw. Yeah, which you you know. Yeah, and he I, I, I think he's. I've been waiting my whole life for this. I, my favourite moment with him is at the end, and what I didn't like was I didn't like the fight on the underground railway track. That just looked... you know, there's, a, there's a scene in Wayne in the, the first Wayne's World with um, the late great Chris Farley where he explains about how Mr. Big is going to be travelling in a limo and then he's going to go to Chicago and then he's mm. going to come back here and Wayne and Garth sort of break the fourth wall and say that was a little bit too much information you can't help but think this is going to become relevant later the, the bit of exposition where the, the exposition yeah. with Martin Freeman was it um, uh, Ross was it uh, Agent Ross Yeah. when he's being told about that bit yeah. and that switching yeah, I, I was like he was just you that know, was the one payback later. that was the one bit where I was just like right okay so that's obviously the end yeah. of this film <laughs> I got, from a visual point of view I didn't like that the way that last fight was done I wish it had been done out in the open uh, Martin Freeman getting his gun off that was that was a high point for me. Yeah, free, you don't see Martin Freeman shooting people before. Yeah. We can see it in this. And Freeman as well. Um, the one sort of downfall I would say with Civil War, it was a bit like sort of like stop stop trying to do a crap American accent. Yeah. And then this one, it didn't stand out. It not didn't greet me. Yeah, I think uh, he was great. Is he is he General Ross? Is no, he's not. No. Why is he Ross then? Just because he is. Just Ross, yeah. Yeah, nothing to do with General Ross, right. yeah. Yeah, I wasn't sure if there was some sort of tie-in. I knew it wasn't in the comic book films, yeah. but I don't know if they put that in for some reason. You, you mentioned going back to the oh, what's his name? Sorry, Ivan Drago. Yeah, uh, being yeah, Sage Northcott. Right, there's not a Sage Northcott. Did you notice? <laughs> did you notice the resemblance between in the flashbacks, young Tachaka? Yeah, and the old man Tachaka. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're played by father and son. Oh, wow. yeah. Atandwa Kani plays young Tachaka, and John Kani who yeah. played T'Chaka in Civil War, yeah. is back at Father and Son. Michael B. Jordan as, as Killmonger, fantastic bad guy. You know, I don't think we found anyone in the film that we don't particularly no. like. There's no, no, yeah, no one dropped the ball. 
There's I just think for, for you guys, I think what it is, it, it's a lack of those peaks that you're used to yeah. in Marvel films. But then we didn't know anything about it. Yeah, so. whereas for me, I'm almost finding it refreshing because I'm now concentrating on other things about the film that those big action peaks or, or just peaks in general maybe would have taken my attention away from. And I am looking forward to seeing it again. I am looking forward to it. What I will say, I'm not I'm not down on the film. And, you know, I enjoyed the film. Worst Stan Lee cameo of all time. Oh, yeah. Yes, the yeah. Stan Lee yeah. cameo yeah. was not the quite at good. all. He's and, getting old, bless him. And it's a serious film with serious tone. I, I don't think we needed it. We could he have just been a croupier? He could have, exactly. And that would have been Yeah, enough. it was... Is that nitpicking? I'm, yeah. no, I'm not down on the film, but no. that, was, that was one part of the film... As strange as it sounds, and I actually went, oh, yeah. especially with recent news about Stanley, he's had a rough time. He has, yeah. He's had a rough time, and he's been ill as well. Yeah. On top of that, so I want Sta- I want Stanley to be great in everything. I, I love Stanley. Denzel, Denzel Whitaker was playing the young Forest Whitaker. Whitaker. Yeah, Jim just showed us on IMDb that it looks like um, my the, God, the son of Forest Whitaker Whitaker was playing him. Was, was playing the, the younger version of him. Unbelievable. There you go. Well, see, the cast casting again. Casting again. So anyway, score it. Scores on the doors, guys. Jim, I'll start with you. And I know it's difficult. I was gonna go. I was gonna go six, but subsequently I'm gonna raise it to a seven. I think that's yeah. I think that's a fair score, Neil. I'm gonna go. Oh God. Go go what you don't. I don't like doing half scores, but I'm gonna go seven and a half. Can we round you up or down? I don't like half scores. Usually, I don't. I don't go for a half score. I'm gonna no, go I, I see half. what you're saying. Yeah, I, I don't like half scores. Why? Well, I think I didn't. I do it with Wonder Woman. I think I, I actually couldn't. You did, you did half I and half. Right in, right in the middle. I, I'm gonna go eight. Eight. Yeah, I'm gonna go eight. I'm gonna go. Yeah, eight, uh, eight. I'm gonna go a confident eight because based uh, on the second viewing. Yeah, based on yeah. the fact that I am as, as time has gone on. No, gonna, that, that that film has just it, it's not just evaporated from my mind. And as much as you know, I haven't. I've only had a couple more hours on you guys to think about it. It's I don't know. There's just something about that film that. And as we're talking, I will say as we're talking about mm. it, there's something about that film. Well, I think it, it does help when you sit down and talk to yeah. seven, seven and a half, and eight. Yeah. So yeah, yeah pretty yeah. close here. Excellent. So every every episode we like to do a, a, a rundown of a, of a, a favorite category. Usually three. Um, we're going to stick to three now because it's it's a it's a it's a nice round number this week. The category that we've all agreed on is favourite opening scenes oh, from a movie. Oh, so ready. Ah, uh, yeah, I know. And there is a caveat with this. We, we, we've had we've had sports films that yeah. that was difficult enough. We've had comedies that was extremely difficult. This one for me has been massively difficult. Driving down here, I remember. I, 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 rem- I remembered one. I thought that's going to have to push one of the others out. Yeah. It's going to be one of my honourable mentions, I think, but it could definitely slot in as one of my favourites it's just such it's one of those categories where there are so many great opening scenes to a film both in the fact that they, they can be shocking memorable yeah. funny iconic just a, a way to start the film that sometimes you have films that start so well and they never sort of pick up yeah. and, and they it's downhill all the way really let's get into it let's get into it, <laughs> get into I, it. I'm, I'm just stalling because yeah. I just this is going to be a yeah. massive topic yeah. Jim First what's, one? what's your number three pick? Oh, I'm going I'm to put them in order now. I've got three. Order. I've got three. Well, put them in I've order. Gonna, I've got to put them in order. It doesn't matter. Any order is right. fine. I think I'm going to go with the opening of Blade Runner as my number three. Oh. I think I can remember when I saw it first of all. Absolutely blew me away. I was probably about 14, 15 and never seen anything like it. It's a massive sort of petrochemical towers exploding. Looking over LA, it's all done with sort of miniatures and glass 
and it looks so real and it still stands up. It's what, 30 years old, 30 plus? 30, oh, yeah. 36 years old. Yeah, and I watched it again probably about four or five days ago just to make sure and it was like, yeah, that still stands up. The miniature, the pyramid, the, the camera work around that, fantastic. The music, the music, yeah, the fighting cars. And immediately, immediately, oh. you know you're looking. You're gonna, you're gonna be watching something special, and that proves to be the case. The only reason I didn't pick it, Jim, mm. and it, it would have usually made the list. Mm. If we were doing this episode with anyone else, and it wasn't you sat there now, I would have had to have picked it. <laughs> but I knew you would have picked it, so yeah. I thought that'll, that'll give me a gap to slot something else in. But yeah, unbelievable. One of my favourite openings to a film. It just gets the hairs on the back of my neck going every time. It's, it's one of my honourable mentions, and I will say, 2049 could have made the list as well. But it's, okay. it's a nice, it's a nice it, flip. It's a nice, yeah, it's a nice flip from the but, chemical explosions to the... But, to the yeah, I was gonna say, but I was going to say, you couldn't have that without the original. Yeah. And when you look at the technology that's involved nowadays, yeah. if something blows you away now, you go, that looks fucking great. Yeah. But, but you go, back then, you, yeah. back then to wow. do that then, that yeah. is the dog's bollocks and it? as you say amazing it, I can just the music is just depending on which version as well you watch the narration as well on the top as I, well um, back back last year I did an episode of Wrong Wheel with James Hancock where we just talked entirely for about two plus hours about Blade Runner yeah. one of the things that I was kicking myself afterwards because you, you talk about so much like anyone that's recorded a podcast it, and for those who haven't it, you always come away thinking, shit, I forgot to mention that. that. Yeah. Even when I did my podcast about Robocop, my favourite film, there were two little things that just because of time and because of the, the way the conversation goes, I forgot to mention. One of the things about the Blade Runner that I didn't mention in the episode is the sound design. Yeah, fantastic. I've listened to that soundtrack so many times and unlike a lot of soundtracks, you, you can get the score on CD and it, it's got interspersed in between the tracks a lot of sound bites from the film. You cannot get the full sonic experience of Blade Runner without the sound effects. No. The music and the sound effects merge to the point where, unlike any other film, they are they are they are at one. And then you add the visuals as well. And it, it's just it's unbelievable. And yeah, Jim, it's a fantastic choice. It, it could easily be one of the greatest, couldn't it? It, yeah. it could be number one. What what I didn't realise is that and, until fairly recently when I watched a, a, another documentary on it, which is probably about my eighteenth documentary on it, was it didn't have that much to do with Ridley Scott. You think Ridley Scott was like this massive sort of Spengali yeah. doing it, and he did with the sort of actors in the street scenes, but the effects he he, he almost sort of left them to it. It, it, was, said, it was Douglas Trumbull, yeah, wasn't it? He did said two thousand and one. He said right. He said these young lads were trying to sort this this shot out, and they were having a nightmare with it. And the only thing they really said was make it dark, add rain, and and they said yeah, we'll do that. But they were literally working, working away and doing it, doing it, trying to do as many. Yeah, he, he pretty much it. had more of a concept than yeah, a vision, didn't yeah. he? Like, yeah, and, yeah. And but with the, in terms of the effects shots, he, they, these guys are absolutely. Yeah, and even to this day, it just looks incredible. You yeah. got a sense of scale. Where if you look at the model when it's without yeah. the the, it looks rubbish. Yeah, with well, it, it just looks like a, about twenty feet in the distance. Yeah. Whereas with the, the use of the smoke, the lighting, and uh, the fact that the lights in the foreground are so much brighter, and, and, and the lights in the background like dim to. You know, yeah. and it's got like a discernible horizon. Yeah. That's impossible to do with models in a fucking studio. Yeah. Like they did it. Well, it's yeah. unbelievable. It's like I, was, I was just saying just now. We sort of almost accept anything we see now because you know it can be done on a computer. Yeah. Mm. You know, whereas it's like this missing art form now. The great opening to go uh, off completely off the subject, but the, the great opening to *Lethal Weapon*, where she jumps off and crashes yeah. through the, and that's all scene painted. You know, it's yeah, it's a right. crash map. Mm. And there's little tricks like that that perhaps now. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not because we're so reliant on yeah, CG. I'm not saying that whoever does a CG 
isn't a fucking genius anyway. That sort of practicality seems yeah. to, the hands-on practicality that you get with Blade Runner. Yeah. You're never going to see that again. No, you're, you're not. never going to see that again. Yeah. And it still looks good. And it but looks, no, you it did stands, because it stands up, doesn't it? It looks yeah. great. But now. a lot of the Dennis Villeneuve was insistent that a lot yeah. of the work in Blade Runner 2049 yeah. was done practically. Yeah. So they've done it again. Good you just them. take for granted now. Well, that's the thing. You because don't... our eye is trained to think, well, no, that's got to be CGI. CG. If it's convincing, yeah. it has to be CGI. Yeah, you almost you almost know you you almost know when the magician's got a card up his sleeve. That's right. You know, whereas. We've all, you know, we've watched that film at a young age, but none of us were of an age where we could go to the cinema and see that mm. when it originally came out. That must have been fucking mind blowing. Oh, I was. I could yeah, see, yeah, I could see, I could see Jim contemplating wherever he was all yeah. the then. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, I was. You watched, uh, but you didn't go to the cinema. Yeah, and it, and it, it was mind blowing. It's good stuff. Good time. Yeah. What's year number three? But bizarrely, we've already brought this up. Me and you with this strange psychic link that we do with the spidey senses. Tonight? Yeah, we've already brought this up tonight. I've got a cards on the table. My number three choice was going to be Blade. However... It's not the first scene. It's not the first scene. There's a 10 He's second scene where Blade's mother yes. gives birth. And I, I was trying to kid myself the other day yeah. that I could get away with this, but... There's too much of a time jump, isn't there? Yeah. For the there's, a title, there's a great title sequence in yeah. between it, but then you have the main... So we'll come so back. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll talk yeah. about this the as well. I think we can... The bloodbath is amazing. It's all, an amazing scene, but it's yeah. not an open let's, scene. Let's, let's all make a gentleman's agreement that we'll mention this as an honourable mention. Yes. Certainly, yeah. We'll talk about it Right, anyway, we earlier on, we mentioned Layer Cake. We did. And we mentioned how Daniel Craig had his Casino audition. Casino Royale. Casino Royale. Fuck, yes. Now, when, this first, when it was first announced that Bond was going to be played by Daniel Craig... We were all like, hmm? It was... Well, I wasn't. No, because, we were. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. There was a general There was almost this sort of, like, internet sort of hoo-ha about yeah. Bond can't be, be blonde. blonde. Yeah. And, you know, and there was... The press were against him. There was He did a press conference where he turned up... In know, a life jacket. In a life jacket and a speedboat. Yeah. He got his teeth knocked out yeah, filming yeah. one of the first ever. Well, filming this scene that I'm talking about, yeah, and people and people use this as a as a reason why Craig couldn't be Bond because he got his teeth knocked out. Well, to me, that proves that he got stuck in Casino Royale. It starts off the opening scene. Both the MGM and Columbia uh, uh, logos are shown in black and white, and it then cuts to uh, Prague. And again, this is still in black and white. If it wasn't for the car. I would be convinced this was a Cold War drama that yeah. was set in the 60s. It's fine. Yeah? The guy who gets out of the car, the double agent, is dressed very much like your stereotypical sort of Russian mm. spy. And I'm still thinking, is this a possibility that this could be set, you know, a, a, a much, you know, decades ago? We obviously know it's not. We go to the we go to his office. He walks in. Bond is coolly sat, sat. in the chair. Coolly sat in now, the chair. Now, any... I, I was really enthusiastic about Craig being born anyway but any fears I had were directly just taken off the tucking table he spins around in the chair and he is cool as fuck yeah yeah Yeah. he's literally right M's got a problem she doesn't mind you making money on the I'm paraphrasing now she doesn't mind you making money on the side but she'd rather you didn't sell secrets Mm. at this point this guy is not even given he doesn't give a damn about Bond because Bond's not a double O because you have to kill two people. Uh, yeah. You then have this great sort of interspliced flashback, which yeah. is Bond amazing. Yeah. Taking his first zero. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's one of the most visceral and nasty. nasty. It's set in a gen's toilet, so you couldn't get any more down into yeah, it. Yeah, the smell. The, smell. the yeah. smell. The smell. They're smashing each other through cubicles, uh, yeah. urinals. Yeah, urinals. <laughs> he takes a sink off the wall, uh, and smashes the guy in the head with it. Yeah. 
Yeah. This is a new type of bond. This is a new. Yeah. This is the bond we always oh, wanted. Completely yeah. wipes out the shit which appears yeah. brothers yeah. left. In I can week. remember. I yeah. can remember as as a as a very young teenager going to watch License to Kill, and I think it was probably the first bit of film trivia that I'd ever read pre a film. Hmm. Was um, it was an interview? It must have been in a national newspaper because at that time I wouldn't have been reading, you know, Empire or whatever. Yeah. Where Dalton had said, "I want to take Bond back to being down yeah. and dirty and nasty." Yeah. I was lucky enough with my paternal father did have an extensive <laughs> collection of Ian Fleming books, and he'd given Good me the, the Fleming books to read. And if you read some of those, Bond is it's a nasty, is a nasty yeah. piece of work. Well, we saw I that in Doctor No. We, we, we saw that in Doctor No yeah. even back in sixty two. Yeah. That, that, that is, but it's still got that sort of safety veneer. first veneer to it. Yeah. Some of some of the, the mm. stuff I'd read, you know, Fleming's work as Bond was supposed to be. Those callous. I mean, like Dalton anyway, had given this interview where he said, "I want to take Bond back to the Fleming original." The opening scene of Living Daylights, he puts the head on someone. Yeah. And I got this little, you know, sort of like, hey, here we go, yeah. you know. But it never quite as as yeah. much as Dalton wanted to. And I, 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 I was gonna say, as much as Dalton wanted to, I actually think Dalton was probably done a disservice because okay. he really wanted to make that character nasty. Yeah. He really wanted to do that character justice. Coming back with Craig now, as I said, we go back then after this sort of visceral fight in the gents' toilets to the double agent saying to Bond, "Well, it doesn't matter." He then takes his gun out of the drawer and he's gonna kill Bond. And Bond comes along with the line of, I know where you keep your bullets too. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I, I, I'm going to have to paraphrase because I can't do it word for word. He goes along the lines of, your first kill was good, your second kill will be, and he goes much easier. I just, that's the end Spots of it. Him. But then it flashes back again to the gents' toilets. The guy in the toilets is not dead. Yeah. Bond picks up the gun, spins around, and you go into the classic. classic. Yeah, down the barrel, <laughs> down the barrel oh. with the blood coming, but it's yeah. done in black and white. Yeah. Yeah, we it's, love it's, that. it's easy now. Yeah. At the time again, Bond was getting knocked. The theme tune yeah. by Chris Cornell. Now people respect it. Yeah, I Chris Cornell. Had any problems with Chris Cornell. Oh, God rest his soul. Yeah. Yeah. But at the time, people were saying that was the worst Bond tune ever. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Oh. It works fantastic. Plus yeah. the tagline to that, you know my name. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's basically saying, look, you know who Bond is, but this is the real Bond. Yeah. And for me, I was blown away by that. Yeah. Fantastic opening. Do amazing Bond film. Uh, uh, yeah. Still one of the best. And, but you know, Bond and openings. There's there's a few. There's so many you could have lobbed in there. I I think. Um, well, we'll see them for honorable mentions. Go on. Honorable mentions. Okay, right. fair enough. My number three. Go for and, it. And again, this is interchangeable. This could have easily been number two. 1991. Or it also could have been back last summer as well for us. Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Oh. It, it, it was again on, it's on my it's, list of honorable mentions, and I was confident that at least one of one of I'm saying one of you two because at the time I thought Rich was going to be it. Yeah, but I was confident at least one of the other two was going to bring it up. It, it's it's got to be. We, we we saw the, the future war in the first film, and you know, first time for a film with like a six point four million dollar budget, James Cameron, what he did was was admirable. This was seven years later, a hundred million dollars. We've time. got the money. <laughs> yeah, and wow, holy shit, what an opening. Money well spent. You have I can the, hear the noise. The, 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 yeah. Sarah, the, the Sarah noise. Connor um, narration. Uh, we see the, the desolate wasteland. And the first time I ever saw that film, back in the days of Dolby Surround Sound, uh, the way that foot comes down and crushes that, that skull crunch, was yeah. just year splitting. Yeah. And then you have the, the music, uh, uh, Brad, Brad Fiedel's music comes in, which was, it's almost it like comes, a... It comes in softly though, doesn't yeah. it? It actually builds. Uh, it actually builds, builds to sort of, uh, it, it's, it's otherworldly, it's incredible. 
So the blasters and the, 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 the gunfire, whatever they are. It, it looks incredible. It looks incredible. It's a James Cameron film. It's a yeah. James Cameron. But it still pays reference to the, to the original yeah. as well. It, 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 it doesn't still, try to do itself. It just, it just does it. Yeah, the visual continuity yeah. is there, but it just looks pin sharp. Yeah. It, it sounds unbelievable. And it's just a remarkable opening. And then segues into one of the most incredible opening title sequences I've ever heard. It's just, it's just amazing that it sends you know we saw it back last year in, yeah. you know in 3D in the cinema Lovely. and we all just came out and we were just like yeah, yeah. it's still it's one of the greatest films ever made so and yeah that, it's, it's, and it still stands up now and it does the mark of a great opening scene even if you've seen the film a million times it's still getting that goosebumps yeah. they, they tried to redo it didn't they in Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines yeah. in 2003 yeah. and they used CGI endoskeletons and it just looked shit well, I've I watched it it, I, it, it, it just doesn't look good and I will be Terminator Genesis as well the, the film has very little to bring up on a podcast about films to be honest it's that mm. bad the scenes that are set in the future in the future war still don't compare not to at that at all not at all you, you just don't get the epic feel that you did with that yeah. scene and that scene is actually much shorter than, I, than everyone thinks it's not yeah. you know, it, do, it goes on for at best two minutes yeah. but it, it just stays with you just yeah. fantastic yeah. Jim, call, first call Jim we're up to number two number two on my list and the, 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 all mine are really similar in certain ways and I was debating with which one was going to be two and three and I've come up with this because I watched this a couple of times today and it is amazing so I've gone for the opening apocalypse now uh, as number two it starts off you can hear what turns out to be helicopter rotors but you're not entirely sure what they are because they're sort of distorted Um, whether it's by Mm. distance by the drug intake of uh, of the people on the ground, mm. or by the people making it, you don't know. But it's distorted at first; you're not sure what it is. And there's like a letterbox sort of shot of a jungle, and yeah. that's all you can see. And yeah. you, slowly you can hear the end by the doors kicking in. Oh. And you, what is going on the here? End. Yeah, and you, well, it's still you're just looking at the jungle, and then sort of smoke starts coming up, and you don't know if it's like what where's this coming from? It looks like it could be a flare, yeah. but you don't know. And then you see like the skid of a of a helicopter come mm. past, and you, it's not normal. There's there's action happening here. There's potentially a battle happening here. There's something going on here. But the camera is just looking at the jungle. There's loads of stuff going past. Yeah. Another helicopter comes past, and then all of a sudden, this beautiful pristine jungle just gets blown to hell. Goes, yeah. And and it's the the jungle is beautiful. The explosion is beautiful. The tune being played is beautiful, and then you think, oh, "There's people getting killed." Yeah, this is there. chaos. There's people getting yeah. blown to pieces. There, yeah, yeah, fantastic. And I think at the time it was probably the biggest explosion on film that they'd done. It was absolutely insane. It, they use it again. They must have had how many cameras on this? They use it again in the film. Um, I think when they're doing the helicopter scene with Kilgore and they show it again as someone, someone's getting napalmed the tree line's getting napalmed uh, and then it cuts into Willard in his hotel room and the fan yeah and then that goes into a whole new classic scene yeah so, it is, um, it's an incredible film yeah. it's just it is and again no CGI people that was, that was <coughs> what, what it, gas petrol <coughs> am I right in saying as well I know they sort of mocked it a little bit with Tropic Thunder yeah but am I right in saying as well that they weren't quite sure when that explosion was going to take place but it was actually a case of... The, obviously, they knew an explosion was going to happen, but it wasn't a 3-2-1 explosion. 
Oh, it was they had all sorts. I think yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it was it. with that. They were yeah. the chickies and they knew explosive was going to Fuck, it's happened now. I haven't watched Hearts of Darkness for literally, well, decades. I'm going to be watching this soon. That's well worth a watch as well. You've got to look at it. The making of that film is as fascinating as any making of any film. The opening scene there, you've got Vittorio Storaro, the cinematographer. You've got Walter Murch, the editor, who also did the sound effects. Yeah. He was on his game there. Yeah, it's just... But, but everything comes together, but, and it's and it's and it's <coughs> unexpected because if you don't know what's going, obviously you don't know what's going to happen the first time you see yeah. it. What is going on here? What is going on yeah. here? But doesn't that is going on here? What, like yeah. you say, the Blade Runner opening perfectly sets the tone of the film. Yeah. So does this? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, really it's dreamy. It's trippy. Yeah. It's, it's it's just it's it's a master nightmare of yeah. a film. Beautiful. Yeah. Neil, my number two. I go back ten years to two thousand and eight, and I can categorize oh. say some of the best cinema experiences I've ever had <sighs> have been with you guys. I know. <laughs> I thought we weren't going to talk about that. Well, but definitely, I know uh, Sky was there for this one, and yeah. that's got to be the Dark Knight. Oh. It was, it was, it was in my top three, and it got pushed out by T two, and I just regret pushing it out because I just, it's just golden. I probably, I, I, people can always say my favorite film is this, my favorite film is that. Mine tends to change as my mood takes me. If I was nailed to the wall and had to say my favourite film of all time, it would probably be Michael Mann's Heat. This is an obvious rip-off of it. Homage to... I was going to say... <laughs> excuse me. That's what I was going to say. It's but it is the greatest homage I've ever seen. You don't expect in a comic book film the opening scene to be a blatant homage to Heat that you could argue is as good as anything in Heat. Yeah, there's nothing I can add to that. There's nothing I can and add to that statement, to be and honest. again, it doesn't lose any of its impact watching it on Blu-ray because no. all of those scenes are in IMAX, so it's nice. it, it just looks nice. incredible, even on home. Hans Zimmer's uh, oh, opening. Yeah. So he said the cello, uh, I think it's the celloist, uh, he had uh, playing that chord mm. was actually hurting playing that chord. It was so, it was, yeah. it was hurting. The maintaining the tension. Yeah, yeah, and maintaining yeah. the tension was actually hurting their fingers as well. Good. Right, it's... It, it's a recurring theme throughout as well because each time you hear that it yeah. sort of signifies the joke was coming was that like, opening scene where Heath Ledger is he's weirdly slumped and I've heard other people talk about this before I'm not you know a genius other people have pointed this out as well he has this strange way it's, it's shot from behind a strange way of standing my way of it's, looking it's at almost his shoulders are off yeah. yeah now my way of looking at that is the Joker sees the world differently yeah. to however people see it yeah. and it's almost as if you're getting that one glimpse of how he views the world the other references to that the mask that he's holding yeah. supposedly is a reference to Caesar Romero Caesar Romero yeah. I, I, I can, it is, it is cracking I can remember literally as that, as, taking each other out. as that opened up literally just being totally enthralled by this film halfway through this film I nudged you and I said I forgot this was a Batman film yeah. it's one of the greatest crime thrillers and crime rivalries I've ever seen. If you look at it from the heat dynamic, you could have good guy, you know, cop against bad guy, bank robber. This takes it to a different level. Like you were saying, the double crossing factor. Right, they all Heath Ledger gets in the car. We all know it's the Joker. Yeah. No one else there knows it's the Joker. Mm. They're talking about a six way split. There's only five of them there. They're openly all sort of having a pop of the Joker. Why should we split with him? Why should we split with him? Yeah. He's the only figure that doesn't speak throughout that. Mm -hmm. He's—it's all hand gestures. It's all nods. Like I say, it's like the worst kept secret in the world. The last Joker. The way the camera and the lighting is portrayed, you can't see any green tinge to his hair at any point during that. No. Even no. though you know that's the Joker. Right. I 
it was only this week that I realised that when they shot that scene, Heath Ledger isn't wearing the Joker makeup. No, he's not wearing the Joker no. makeup because I've seen a production still from where he turns around and he's, he's, just, he's Heath Ledger. No face. Yeah. But you just take for granted he's he's wearing the Joker. But yeah. why would he be at that point? Because we've seen him later on in the film when he's impersonating the police officer. Yeah. He doesn't always wear the makeup. And it's only at the point where he takes off the mask that the sun coming through the window catches hair yeah. and you get to see the green, the green tint. in the f- tint yeah. of the clearly he's going to be realistically and yeah. Heath Ledger did all of his own wardrobe and yeah. makeup in that film it was all Leave him yeah Christopher Nolan yeah. just left him to it he was as we know he became we think too immersed in the character mm. ultimately because he went to a very dark place and the story surrounding his death is ultimately tied into how to much that it, to, 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 to that so, character there's so much of that opening that gives away so much about the Joker, but it also tells you one of the major criticisms I've heard of this film is the Joker will say, I'm aged of chaos, I'm like a dog chasing a car. If I caught it, I wouldn't know what to do. I, one of the major criticisms I think it's an observation, isn't it? is that that is so meticulously planned that he's obviously not someone who's just flying no. by the seat of his pants. I would counteract that. He did it for, for his own amusement. I would, no, I would yeah. counteract that. You've got William Fitch, uh, Fishner, a good actor in his own sort of, sort of world. Never call back to heat. Yeah, never call back to heat coming in and doing this great cameo mm. as the bank manager of the mob-run bank. Yeah. You have the great scene where he comes up with a shotgun, he's unloading the shotgun, mm. yeah, and the other uh, bank robber says, is he out of bullets? And the Joker nods, yes. Mm. And when the guy gets up, he gets shot. You assume he's dead, but he's not dead. No. How the hell Heath Ledger does this? He looks disappointed through a rubber mask. Yeah, he Because does. he's planned for that guy that's to be killed shot. by the bank manager. Yeah. But we flip it on its reverse. He then shoots the bank manager twice. But he only shoots him in the shoulders. The end payoff is when Fitchner is laying on the floor, he puts a smoke bomb. It's like it's an automatic uh, handgun. It kind yeah. of strafes him. He shoots him twice, but he only shoots him in the shoulders. Yeah. And the end payoff of that is he puts the grenade in his mouth as he's driving off with the bus. Mm-hmm. Did he mean to do that? Or is that just another just chaos just paying off for him? I don't know. Because I think, I think <laughs> that everything that the Joker plans is meticulously because I've told now, I always, again. I always thought that, but having rewatched, having rewatched it the other day because I thought I'm going to mention this, I wanted to double check. He goes to get into the school bus. It's only when Fitchner starts saying to him, "You don't know what you're doing. We're going to find you." That you know, you don't know. You've that he actually gets back. He was going to leave him there. Yeah. But his backup plan was the grenade in the mouth. With I never really understood whether he meant to do that or not. But that's the beauty of his character. That's the beauty of his character. And I was going to say, and instantly that sets up throughout the film. There's so many little coincidences and so many little sort of just acts of good luck where the Joker benefits from, and that's the first one. But it instantly gives you that insight into you know as we go on now with how I got the scars stories they change Mm. every time and stuff like that. That almost becomes acceptable because of that scene. I never realised that the first time round, but totally blown away by that opening. Totally blown away by it. Yeah, fantastic. And we're going to be doing a retrospective episode at some point on the yeah. Dark Knight trilogy. It, that's why it's, bring, it's a given. That's why I'm so, myself in. Yeah, more to come on that. <laughs> My number two. Yeah. Jaws. Fair call. Fair call. It's got to be. Spielberg. Yeah, it's, it's got to for me, it's still Spielberg's best film. Put a gun to my head and ask me what the greatest Ooh. film ever is. Ask me to th- yeah. if you say to me the word movies, yeah. my brain just reverts back to Jaws. That is for me, scene, film scene by scene, film at its purest. Yeah. Again, I the original summer blockbuster. It is. It is. There's we, again, we're going to do an episode on Jaws one day. To. We've got to do it. Yeah, yeah. we've it's got to give scene by scene. It's perfect. It is. It's no a flawless film. On it. 
But that opening, right. what people forget is how just brutal. Yeah. The, Chrissy just stripping off, running down to the beach, going into the water. Yeah. And then it's John Williams's music. Yeah. It's the lighting. Yeah. It's everything. The little touch first. And the, for me, the worst thing is she gets pulled down, she comes back up, she gets pulled down. And I always think, yeah, she's back up, but no. It's no. that second pull down, uh, nothing. The water goes still. Yeah. I am literally, I'm talking about it now, the, the hairs on the back of my neck are going up. I, I'm not even going to go into any more detail. There's nothing more to say. It's yeah. one of the greatest films I've ever made. It's a, it's a stunning opening. It, it's just, and we don't even see the shark. We don't see yeah. the shark. And it, she, he comes in, he comes in and nudges her first. Yeah. It has a little nudge first. Like a little bite. Yeah, bite. or it could be like the, the skin's really sharp and if he goes past it, it'll Well, I've, I've, always uh, assumed, I've always assumed he just brushed past her yeah. first of all, yeah. And then he, I and think then he had a little bite. And then he had a little nibble, yeah, because yeah. her face is like perfect. We'll have a little pact. The three of us will yeah. get back together. Yeah. So Jaws. we're, we're going to do an episode on Jaws yeah. because we can't not do it. Yeah, it's fab. Jim, what's your number three? Number, number one. one, my number one is going to be no. There's no surprises, and you don't have to talk about it because I'm sure it's been talked to, but talked to death. Everything for me has got to be Star Wars. Root and absolutely rocked my world. I was probably six or seven, saw that, and that's probably the reason I'm sat here tonight. Yeah, the only reason it's not on my list is because I knew you would pick it, and also it's one of those ones that it's completely iconic. Yeah, I love it. It's one of those things now that it's just a given to me. Yeah, it it wouldn't be. I wouldn't put just the opening on to, to watch just the opening whereas mm. with The Dark Knight I've done that I've watched just the opening yeah. Yeah. with with Terminator 2 uh, I, I know that well I'd have to watch the rest of the film because it's just so great <laughs> yeah, 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 it's Terminator yeah, yeah. 2 it's just, it, me. I will watch the opening and, and I, I've watched it but if, if, I watch two, if I watch Terminator 2 from start to finish and, yeah. then, and then I stop the, the, the Blu-ray or DVD or whatever I might just put it back on just to watch the beginning again. Yeah. Whereas with Star Wars, I don't think I'd do that. But have you watched Star Wars more than all the other films? Yes. Yeah. Well, that's, that's why. There you go. And and then I'd also lob in the crawl. If I said to you the crawl, yeah, we, we all know what I'm talking about. Yeah, the open but, crawl. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know. and I think it's like you see, it's like you've got that sort of small ship, and then you've got that huge, yeah. and it just goes on forever. Yeah, I know. As beautifully parodied in Spaceballs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Things like that are great, and it's like I was saying to you with um, the last Jedi. Yeah. yeah, when you watch like the Family Guy parodies of those, yeah, they're they're, they're so right. But then the, also when the you go explosion. back to the original saga, they're oh. so good. It's always like yeah. I always feel guilty for laughing at Spaceball because because <laughs> I, no. I don't because no, I don't really see it so fucking good. Well, like, yeah, I mean <laughs> the the blockade runner or the little Corvette, whatever it's called, it gets gets shot up with the explosion on it. And then it cuts back, cuts into, cuts into. Yeah, and, 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 we're like, the, and we're off to the races. And you've got and the rest is history. Should we say that for a yeah, 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 no, no need to trilogy. Talk, no need to talk about it anymore. Anyway. So basically, we're so giving away every special, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The people want it. Yeah. Neil, what's your number one? Well, again, it's Spielberg, 1981. <sighs> the greatest opening scene of all time for me. Mr. Spielberg and Mr. Lucas are sat on a beach in Mexico. Mr. Lucas is a little bit worried about this film he's just released. <laughs> I think you might have just mentioned no, no, it. No, no, I just brought it up. He's saying to himself that he thinks this film he's made, which has been a bit of a labour of love, is going to be a massive flop. Yeah. Spielberg seems to be riding high at the moment, so he's decided to ask Stephen, his good friend Stephen, whilst they're building sandcastles, what would he like to do next? And Spielberg says he'd like to make a Bond film. But he said, there's no way that I'll ever get to make a Bond film. Oh, and Lucas says, I've got, a bet- I've got a better idea. Why didn't you listen to this idea I've got about this teacher slash archaeologist yeah. in a film called Raiders of the Lost Ark. The opening to Raiders of the Lost Ark is essentially a James Bond opening. Yeah. 
Yeah. We already know this character. Although we don't know the character, we already we know this character. Again, I'm going to go on about logos. This is bizarre. The Paramount yeah, Mountain. Yeah, the Paramount yeah. Mountain. Because and then the... faded into the real mountain. Yeah. yeah. I think I was about seven or eight when I saw this. Mm-hmm. That blew my mind. Yeah. I, for yeah. whatever reason... From was it the tra- first to do that? Yeah. I think RKO did it with... Um, they might have done it with the original King Kong. They might have done something. And not along those lines... They've done it with Universal, haven't they? Yeah, they've done it with Universal. Whether that was before Indy, I don't know. There's there's two opening logos. Every time I see 20th Century Fox, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Trek. Every every time I see that, the Paramount Mountain. Paramount did it with uh, one of the next generation films. No, they they pan up into space. But this was done before that. Yeah, it was. Every time I see Paramount now. It's just, it's, it's just the fact you you sort of like I say it's almost as if like three films have happened already you should know yeah, 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 you yeah, should yeah, know yeah, who this yeah, character yeah. is and there's that much confidence in it that for the first 20-30 seconds we don't get to see Harrison Ford no. it's all shot from behind yeah, yeah it is and if you notice he's got his little crew of uh, sort of ragtag sort of yeah. like locals with him yeah. he walks like 15 foot ahead of him he's the he's, main man if you actually look at the first portrayal of Indiana Jones, he's very cocksure, he's very arrogant, and he's very sort of confident. Yeah. As this goes on, we find out he's not really. Up until that point, when they get to the temple, yeah. he's so in charge of everything. Mm. To the point, he hasn't brought a sandbag, he just knows there's going to be sand there yeah, to, there's, there's to fill the sandbag. Yeah. And I think they mentioned one of his, um, his uh, sort of closest competition, and he says this is as far as he got. He was good. He was damn good. And it's like instantly saying, I'm better. Yeah. From the point we go into the temple, you see that <coughs> one of the greatest things you can have of any hero is a sort of flawed persona with it as well. Yeah. It's all just for show. When he gets in there, as confident as he is, he works out all these booby traps. Yeah. He then gets the idol. He's fucked it up. Yeah. <laughs> he hasn't got enough sand in the yeah. bag. And he's not that great because what's his name? Alfred oh, Molina. Oh yeah, the French name. Oh yeah. Oh, what's his name? Come on, feel free to flame us. Paul Freeman. Uh, Paul Freeman. Who's um? Balak. No. Paul Balak. Thank you. Well, that's the point. When you look, when you look at that, when he goes in, he sort of like goes on about his competition, and he goes, "He was good. He was real good." I always think now from rewatching it. This guy wasn't that good. He says it later on. I'm making this up as I go along. I'm making this up as I go along. He says it later on. He gets the idol. And then obviously shit, shit goes, yeah. shit gets real. Yeah. It starts crashing down. He just runs through in a complete panic. He's yeah. so lucky he doesn't. You can get, see on his face, he's pretty he's like, shit. Yeah. Of course, he gets double crossed by Melina. Who's you know, say so you are from Melina? Mm. They've had that great scene with the tarantulas where yeah. Ford's had like two sort of tarantulas on him. Melina's then turned on. His whole mm. back is covered. Yeah. yeah. Oh. And Indy does it so cool. He just takes him off, no problem. Mm. This guy was obviously. From the start, his friend who's walking behind him pulls a gun on Indiana Jones, and that's when you get the first iconic sort of whip yeah, crack. Yeah, that, yeah? That's that. he hasn't at any point thought perhaps Alfred Molina's a bit of a double faced bastard as well. Yeah, yeah. And then you get the throw me the idol, throw me the whip bit. Anyone would know by this stage he's not going to give you that whip, mate. Don't give him the yeah. idol. He gives him it, he gives him he's it. He's got no choice. Then, of course, he doesn't get given the whip, and he makes the running jump and he crashes into the wall pre top, pre Tom Cruise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's that look on his face when the vine starts to break when he's yeah. pulling himself up. You realise at that time then you've got this great character who's also a flow character. And for me, you get a little bit of comedy, you get a little panic. bit of insight. And they say, it just introduces you to the character so well. For me, yeah, I don't think I think it's the number one thing. And he's racing towards the plane and the, 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 everyone's chasing yeah, him. Yeah, but he's racing towards the plane. And I think it's Chuck is the guy he's yeah. there. And he's, catch, he's catching fish. Yeah. And he's shouting, Chuck, start the plane. Yeah. And he looks up. 
And he sees Indiana Jones being chased by a whole African tribe. Well, he doesn't know it's just his Indian first, does he? Because he's the way the hill is. Yeah, but then even when and he sees the tribe chase him, he still looks at the fishing rod and he's like, oh, shit, like, you know, I'm going to... Ruin the day's fishing. <laughs> ruin the day's fishing. You're going to die, mate. What I am going to say... And then there's a snake in a plane. There's a snake in the plane. I assume the Chuck brought him there. <laughs> it's not as if a snake clawed into the plane. It's no, his pet. So that snake must have been there to begin yeah. with. So why did he see me? But anyway... That's ruining my. That's ruining it because <laughs> Rangers is the fucking box. Yeah, <laughs> it is one of the best openings. Happy days. My number one. Again, this isn't best open. Best opening. See, this is favourite opening. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think yeah. we're good with that. But I would still argue yeah. for sheer balls yeah. and sheer originality yeah. and sheer clarity of thinking. Yeah. You've got a second film in a trilogy. You're looking out to open it in order to do one of several things. You've got to, in a way, refresh the viewers who maybe haven't seen that film for, say, we'll say a year. And you've also got to give them something they haven't seen before. At what point is it a good idea, instead of starting the film immediately afterwards, or a few hours on, or a few weeks on, you start your second film two-thirds of the way through the first film? Yeah, exactly. Got me cute. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What are we talking about? It's The Lord of the Rings, The Two Times. Ah, okay. okay. Fair enough, okay. Yeah. <laughs> We saw the ca- the bridge of Khazadum scene. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you shall not pass. Yeah, we yeah. see Gandalf sacrificing and himself and falling yeah. down into the yeah. into the abyss. Yeah. And then we see Frodo's reaction, Boromir pulling him back, and them leaving the mountain and sobbing. And, and, the, and, and, and the film goes on. The film goes on. Yeah. But we all know that it wasn't the end for Gandalf. No. There's a little bit more to come. There's a little bit more to come. We see him falling, and we already know that you know he can handle himself. Yeah. But dear God, dear, do we not a... realise that he's thinking. I'm I'm fucked here pretty yeah, much. I'm fighting a demon. He manages to. He's in free fall with yeah. a Balrog, yeah. who is literally just taking all of the impact off the side of this massive chasm that goes yeah. down into the into the, the roots of the, the earth. earth. Yeah, it is just one of the ballsiest, most stunning openings. It, it's just incredible. And, and true to the book as well. Yeah, and then you see that shot from the distance where you see the Balrog. Is just this tiny flaming speck falling into this cavern, and as he falls, the light from the fire within his own body lights the cavern up, and you see that at the bottom there's water, and then boom, he hits the water. Frodo wakes up, he's dreaming. It's both a dream, as in a nightmare, of him recounting Gandalf's death. We like to find out it is actually what happened because we see the rest of that fight halfway through the film, where Gandalf returns, where he ends up. It's it's my favourite opening to any film. Howard Shaw's music. Great. Just from the the opening shots of of the, the mountains, it, it, yeah. it's my favourite opening. Do you want oh, the film? Yeah. Because the Lord of the Rings films are very good. Are a little bit <laughs> on the good side. Very good. Not I, to I, everyone's liking. I was going to say I'm not a massive fan of the Lord of the Rings films, oh, but yeah. I will say when you mentioned that, I actually thought shit. I never mentioned that. Before we move on to um, we got some other listener mentions, mentions. I've yeah. got to go through what Richard said. He's given me his list. He's put the Godfather in at number three. Yeah, Raiders of the Lost Ark at number two right, Back choice. to the Future his favourite film at number one and I quote I could swap any other positions to be honest but Back to the Future being my favourite film I put it at number one yeah, if you watch the opening scene closely it gives so much info about the film and the characters the backstory newspaper clippings the news story on the TV about the stolen plutonium it sets up the story perfectly and hints at what's to come there's a small cutout of the character from Safety Last hanging from the clock hand foreshadowing Doc Brown I never even noticed that I've seen the film dozens of times to the great introduction of Marty who's always late 
ending with a skateboard scene and Huey Lewis in the news. It's a perfect first scene of a movie. I fully agree. Showing our age. Showing our age. I'm going to be completely straight. It's a shame that you couldn't make it tonight. <laughs> it also says, the opening scene of The Godfather is perfect establishing Don Corleone's place and his standing in the community and Raiders is just brilliant fun. Powerless, again, perfectly setting up the tone of the movie. Right. Can we can we, can we we make a little caveat? And can we talk honorable about... Mo- honorable no, mentions? Before we do honorable mentions, okay. can we talk about Blade? Can we just assume... There wasn't a thirty-second opening. But either way, can we just ass- can we cover that? Can again we just say that, that is a the, the bloodbath? Yeah, fantastic, yeah. fantastic. Right, the list of honourable mentions I've compiled. We are pushed for time. Uh, we are God. way over the two hours. Uh, sorry, here. we've had mentions off social media. We've had good response from f- Facebook, uh, and I've basically compiled a list from my own list, uh, which was about ten or fifteen, uh, and then I've added just the rest from social media. And this list is a combination of the both. Right, right? go for it. Feel free to jump in at any point with yeah. ones I've missed out. Halloween. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, come uh, on. No, I'm not a slasher film fan. No, but it's a great fan. opening. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. You, it's you, good news. Seeing what's happening being done by a little yeah. kid. Uh, Star Wars is there. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Boogie Nights. Boogie yeah. Nights. Boogie Nights, Boogie Nights. Boogie on my list. Yeah. As is Saturday Night Fever. Which is Saturday Night Fever on this list. Yeah. This nearly made mine. Once Upon a Time in the West. Yeah. One of the longest, most drawn out opening Searches. scenes, but it is just a work of art. Yeah. The one that I just added last minute because for some reason I had a brain fart and forgot it, nearly made my list. The Warriors. Warriors is, a, Warriors is an awesome no, I, film. I never thought of putting that in, but yeah, Warriors you're 100%, 100% awesome right. Film. It's the yeah. yeah. music. Yeah. It's the whole getting together of all the gangs. They're talking about where they're going. Yeah. They're all coming from all over the place. It's incredible. Yeah. Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> as much as people want to knock, and a lot of people hate that opening, I love that opening. Inglorious Bastards. It's, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. not a massive fan of the film. I'm like, yeah, it. Mm. A lot of people, a lot of people have taken real exception with that. It's too drawn out, that it goes on far too long. It does. Right. It, it's a little Tarantino right. servicing himself. It's, I've never had my tension held for so long. Yeah, it, the first time you see it, the, the first, first time, time you see it, it, it's, it's very effective, and you have to think that's what he's that's what he's aiming for. He's yeah. not aiming for repeat viewings. Funny enough, next up then, Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I yeah. told you this is this this was suggested. That was on, that, that was on all, Facebook. All, I forgot about this. Almost one. my number three. It's an opening scene, which is also the finale. Yeah, but it tells you we by that stage we didn't really know what Tarantino was. What we don't really seen as well. Dogs yeah. as, as as directive. I know we did. But he's the master of the fucked up yeah. mixed up chronolo- but uh, just, chronology. That, that and... sort of quick paced sort of rapid fire dialogue back and forth. Yeah, and the sort of subject matter. That All good. I've got no. I've got no Fantastic. massive problems with any of this. The one that was pushed off my list by T two is the Dark Knight. Uh, Next up, oh god, just one of the greatest tracking shots in any film. Touch of Evil. Uh, uh, you know, it's uh, just amazing. The one that I didn't see in the cinema. I saw it on on Blu-ray with the wife. We had to stop immediately after this scene. Uh, up. Yes. On my list. I, I, we had to pause it. Uh, we were just like, yeah. I, that I, op- I've been chopping chilies. That opening scene to up is unique in the fact that it's the first opening scene that could be a whole movie. It's, yeah. it's incredible. It's just. Yeah, I think it's, it's about. Good. It's the. It feels I, like about eight to ten minutes. Whether yeah. it's that long, it's, it's, it's probably a, about five. It's yeah. about two, two and a half minutes. Another three minutes to yeah. compose yourself. Oh, amazing. Funny enough, then Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Good fellas. Good fellas. Yeah. Start stabbing him in the boot. I always wanted to be a gangster. Yeah. It's on my list. Shoot, stabbing <laughs> and shooting him in the boot. Yeah, American Psycho. Yeah. Perfectly sets the tone. Yeah. It just shows you that this character there is just something missing from it. Yeah. Oh, this this one. This was not one of my picks. This was one from social media. 
Lord of War, the birth of the or the life cycle of a bullet. bullet. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. God. Yeah. John, I actually forgot about that. When you said Lord of War, they had to think about it. Yeah. Still two that I'm. The Richard yeah. Richard Murphy on Facebook. I gotta yeah. say, Richard, Good that's call. fantastic. I wouldn't have thought of that. Casino Royale came up. Yeah. Fight Club. Yeah. Fight Club. Yeah. Yeah. For some reason. Matrix on there. If you want, yeah. yeah. No, it's, I it's, like this is yeah, the Matrix. Matrix the, Matrix, the Matrix was on my Picking list. Kicking ass. I, time. Know, when I originally thought I was gonna pick Blade, I was gonna say, had it not been for Blade, yeah, with, both that, with, with right. that both that opening scene and the bullet time. Uh-huh. Would the Matrix have ever been made? No. <laughs> I know it was yeah. only a year later, so it would have been, but... Yeah. Train spotting. Yeah, yeah, that's on my list. That's fantastic. Apocalypse now. <laughs> and this <laughs> one, guys. Jim. Yeah. Neil, what were you not thinking that you didn't pick this? Because I didn't pick it because I thought you guys would have. The Spy Who Loved Me. <laughs> well, right. Well, oh, Bond. On. Bond is so many good outfits. You'll pick, you pick a Cedar Ryan. Can right? I just yeah. say, The Spy Who Loved Me was my number three. Golden Eyes, Jump Off and the I was, I was And I was that confident that I was that confident that one of you guys was going to pick The Spy Who Loved Me. Yeah. And then I thought, that's an obvious choice. And then I looked at Casino Royale and the implications of Casino yeah. Royale. And I, that's why I decided to go for Casino Royale. Right. Saturday Night Fever. Yeah. Oh, this next one. Contact, I liked Yes, yeah. the pullback, the, the greatest pullback shot goes, ever. Goes to the entire universe on on how far our radio is. Unbelievable, really absolutely good. fantastic. Really what a, oh, amazing. And amazing. I, will, I will say, as much as as it detractors, yeah. Independence Day, for the same yeah. sort of, with the pullback from the moon yeah. and, you know, yeah. and all the radio singles. Contact wins that one. It wins it, but... In fact, you're talking about pullback shots, Star Trek first contact. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the pullback from... Oh, unbelievable! And then the fact that he's a nightmare within a nightmare, yeah, yeah. unbelievable. This this one, as, as much as you talk about a film within a film, yeah. the opening to Magnolia, with the it's the narration all about circumstance and coincidence. Yeah. If you've not seen it, go back and watch it. It's li- yeah, it's, it's, I've it's, literally watched Magnolia once. I thought it was really good, but that was about a decade ago. Yeah, and I've never gone back. to You it need to go reason. back now. Yeah. Later on on YouTube, yeah. have a look at the opening to Magnolia. Who put that in? Me, oh, yeah, I'll take credit for that. <laughs> One which I had, which I didn't put in, yeah. which was suggested to me. I've totally forgotten about the opening for Chase to Nark. Yeah, yeah. it's devastating. Well done, whoever put that as, as is the French Connection. Yeah, the French, French yeah, Connection. Yeah. yeah, but there's so much good stuff, and it, this is why I've got glad I've got a child so I can go right there. <laughs> yeah, and I want some of this. Just what? for the, the pure cool factor, this is a personal one. Jackie Brown. Yeah. yeah, and for you talk about like Blade Runner with great a- atmospheric openings, yeah. Taxi Driver, yeah. Bernard oh. Herman's opening, yeah. the the music it sends shivers down my spine. It's just a work of art, yeah. and that's that oh, is what it. What about Raging Bull? Where he's just doing shadow boxing, yeah, yeah, yeah. shadow yeah, boxing, yeah. I've got Raging Bull on it. Tens, tens, there's tens. Honorable mentions. I'm gonna go for. I'm gonna go for. You could count either the Gardens of the Galaxy films as great opening sequences, but they're both title sequences, so that's why they never really made. Yeah, my yeah, list. no, no, I, 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 I consider. But the if first we look Guardians at Marvel, myself. if you want to go for an opening sequence, the original Iron Man. Yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. A little flashback, and then mm. you know the gang songs burn. He's there with the troops yeah. and stuff like that. It wouldn't be a film eight nine podcast starring Sir Neil of Gaskin if I didn't bring up some Stallone films. So I'm going to go for the Rocky Three opening montage. Yes, every, we love a montage. We love a montage. We love a montage. Every Rocky film opens up essentially showing you the end of the last yeah. fight. So you, in essence, that's the opening yeah. scene. Rocky Three then uses real life footage of Stallone and it intersplices it with. Upcoming uh, with stage fights as well yeah. to show you the passive of time. That's quite great. 
And also, Night Talks. I'm going to bring Night Talks up at every opportunity. Listen, you're going to watch Night Talks. Oh, night Talks you two yeah. are going to watch Night Talks uh, at some stage. Guys, please go on to film89.co.uk <laughs> and just type into the search bar Night Talks. I've got to say it. Neil wrote a fantastic piece about it last year. And it's not for that reason. No, I just no, really no, like Night Talks. If you like Night Talks, I'm going to put Condor Man in. No, <laughs> I, Michael Crawford. I, I love an same. article that makes me want to watch a film right. that I haven't seen. Well, I don't even know if I've seen Night Talks. There's a good film. Uh, sorry, there's a good opening scene necessarily mean a good film no no no, no. Right, okay. I was trying to find like right. a shit film this, with a really right, good opening scene I will give you a film that most people I actually personally don't mind this film uh. it's an opening scene to a film that people absolutely detest and as years have gone by they've slated it more and more the opening three minutes to M. Night Shyamalan's Signs oh I don't like Signs right I can right, that, that's, that's right. right and I respect your opinion uh, uh. the opening three minutes to Signs with Mel Gibson waking up Hearing his child screaming, going through the cornfield, that could have made my top three. Ooh, I'm have to have a look at that, Neil. Okay. I didn't make my top three, so don't hate the internet. Right. <laughs> but I could have made it. So, guys, there we go. There's our favourite opening scenes to Lovely. Come. We're going to finish with some listener questions. Lovely. Well done, the listeners. All right. First one Holly Wright via Facebook asks You haven't done any Twitter polls for a while. Okay. Granted, that, that is. Yeah, my fault. How about one on the films of David Fincher, oh, as he's yeah. one of my favourite directors, and I'd love to see what the general consensus of ranking is on his films. Yeah, we've done John Carpenter, his our most recent director's yeah. one. I think obviously The Thing won that. You could easily... Fin- Fincher, Fincher's done, what, what nine, what, ten films? Yeah, well, definitely top five film. Definitely put Fight Club in there. Club's top in there. ten, seven, mate. We'd get in there. Zodiac. 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 For me, it's between Fight Club 7 and Zodiac. Yeah. Right. Plus, um, if we're going to go to about opening title, seven. Title, title sequences, Panic Room. Panic Room. Panic room. Yes. Uh, uh, Is that the one where he goes filming through all the electric cables? No, no. no, no call it's... back to North by Northwest. Oh, okay. The next Twitter poll we do will be the films of David Fincher. Andrew Lewis, at Andy Lewis UK on Twitter asks, do you think the current BBFC rating system needs an overhaul? I think it's archaic and should be reduced down to maybe just three <sighs> ratings, such as family, teenage and adult. He's got a point. Yes, yeah, he's yeah. got a point. I think they only you do scratch your head to some of the ratings these days. Yeah, and, and I think viewing habits of, of of parents and adults have changed. So what what would it, give an example? Do, do we need have we got examples of films where you thought, oh, that should have been a, a light higher or lower? Do we need U and PG? No, no, no. We don't we can just put that down to? I uh, think family. Family's family. a great idea. That's a good idea. Yeah, and I will, I will say as well. I mean, there's sometimes if you go by an age rating. My son's eleven at the moment and loves Kingsman, yeah. and I'm quite comfortable with the fact that he watched Kingsman. Kingsman Two has one scene in it that I felt a, would have felt a little bit awkward, mm. and that's you know the the, the fingering scene. Yeah. I would have felt a little bit I awkward, felt awkward watching that. that. If I look at the first Kingsman, I'm fine with my son watching that. To be honest, my son's seen Predator. Well, let's be let's be honest. I, I was, let's let's all be honest. We sleep my eleven year old son to watch Terminator Two. So <laughs> <laughs> who cares? Allegedly, no. I'll go on record as saying it. You know, you wouldn't be a good dad if you didn't let him. Right now, I think. A lot of the time, when you have U and PG, that seems ridiculous. When you're looking at the 12 rating, hmm. if you're looking at a film, like a, an average Pixar film, does that really need to have a rating on it? No, because it's always going to fit into that family category, isn't it? It's yeah. never going to be anything that's going to push it to a 12. 
ever. No. I don't think they have released a 12. Now, if, if PG literally... Oh, sorry, PG-13 to our American right. listeners. So if PG just covered the fact, if you're under 16, you have to have an adult with you, would you be okay with that? Or if you're under 15, you have to have an adult with you? I'd say you could be under 12. Either way, I think... It does need to be... It's an interesting idea. I think, what's the difference really these days in the UK cinemas between a 15 and an 18? It's nothing, really. You know, when when Starship Troopers came out in the cinema, that was a 15 in the cinema. Had a different rating on on home video. Plus, I was going to say, would any three of us be sat here had we not grown up in the age of going down to your local video Video store with a note proportionately (laughs) badly spelled apparently apparently written by your parents saying you had permission to watch Lethal Weapon you know (laughs) no you're right yeah it's a good question I really do think they need you know these ratings apart from the addition of the 12 rating which was a a while ago now a Mm. long time ago long time for Jurassic Park uh, was it for Batman? Yeah. 89? 89. Uh, it was Batman was the first um, 12. P- 12. Because PG-13 in America came in, didn't it? In 1984 after Temple of Doom. Yeah. Because oh, okay. there were obviously complaints about the fact that it was quite go- nasty and gory for a PG film. Hmm. And then they introduced that. that, that. So it, that they, been, need, they need an overhaul. Like that, that. Yeah. You know, that, could, that could have been an honourable mention as well. Temple of Doom. Anything yeah. goes. Anything goes. goes. So it goes back, we didn't have any music. And, and it goes back two years before it, Raiders. It's yeah. set a year before Raiders. Yeah. Yeah, that could have been all of them. The last the one is Ruben West. He sent Mr. us a, he sent us three questions via email. Uh, He's keen, Ruben. Well done. What are your biggest pet hates about other people's film tastes or habits? Oh. Mine is when someone won't watch foreign language films because they don't like subtitles. Oh, what it, are it yours? Is, it is. My, uh, currently, and we talked, we sort of always touched on it with Terminator. It's people going to see shit films, films that are going to be shit. They absolutely drive me up the wall. Going to see bad movies just religiously because I don't know why you would want to go and see like the Transformers films. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I like the first Transformer film. I thought that was fine. Do you know the no first, the with first that. Transformers I thought it was great. It was a pleasant surprise. Yeah, I was it? really it was. happy. I watched it off, you know, just for the hell of it, and I was like, no, that's really good. Mm. But the rest of them have been absolute pitch. Mm. Film. And there's a lot of like that. Yeah, film going wise, I can I can understand um, some Alien. people. You know, some people do with the subtitles thing, and some people do with foreign films thing. Kind of accept that, I'm not saying it's right, I'm just saying I've got understanding. <laughs> yeah, but those, yeah, but, you know, you, I can kind of understand how some people right, can feel a problem. With that. Yeah, learn to read every oh, film I've enjoyed with subtitles yeah. within two minutes. You forget, you, you forget you're reading yeah. anyway, so just get on with it. What I don't like is when someone will instantly write off a film when someone will say. I don't like picking this genre rather than yeah. Something like when someone will say to me, "I don't like horror, or I don't like uh, science fiction, or oh that's Marvel rubbish, or that's comic book, or whatever," I don't like giving it a chance. Someone the other day said to me, "I'm talking to someone about Game of Thrones," and they said, "Oh, I don't like stuff like that." They said, "What?" They said, "Oh, it's like Lord of the Rings and stuff like that." I'm not a massive fan of Lord of the Rings. No. With Game of Thrones, I said to you, "Is it like Lord of the Rings?" I said, "Absolutely, in no way like Lord of the Rings." Yeah. You know, so I can see you that slide because you'd prejudge it, didn't you, no. based on the fact well, that it was. I, 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 and a lot of people fairly. No, that was a legitimate question. Like, what Conan? Do you like Conan? Sorry, Conan, the barbarian. Conan. 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 Is that the Irish version? <laughs> Conan the barbarian. Conan. 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 This sounds like someone else. He even says his name in the film. Wow, incredible. Is that the guy the fourth, like, Floyd Mayweather? Conan McGregor. So, yeah, yeah, mine's in the very similar ballpark. It's 
people who dismiss old films or oh. black, yeah, and, white black films, and white films or, or, or a film that's made with before, you know, before they they sort of well you get people you get people who sort of say like oh, I've never seen there's like iconic films like Tower and Inferno and Poseidon Adventure yeah. and it's like well I don't, I don't like it because it's too old a film and it's or like, yeah you're going back even further to you know stuff like people who would dismiss like, oh I wouldn't watch a film like you know Touch of Evil or the or yeah. the Third Man or Gone with the Wind, with the wind. Uh, you know well, yet someone will happily sit down and watch. Wizard of Oz, even though that was yeah. 1939. Do you know what changed after me? I'm not trying to be wise after the event. It was Matt and Kester recently did it with Wrong Reel. Yeah. It was The Swimmer. Oh, The Swimmer with the I, yes. I must have been about 12 oh when I saw God. that. Yeah. It used to be... With Burt Lancaster. Yeah, it used to, be, used to be when I was a kid. When I, was, when I could stay up a bit later on a Friday night. And Channel 4 used to show the comic strip presents who yeah. like Rick Mail films and Adrian mm-hmm. Emerson films. And for whatever reason, one night... Sat there with my parents, Channel 4, at 9 o'clock on a Friday night, showed The Swimmer. And instantly, as a kid, I can remember thinking, this is shit. Yeah. Mm. You know, because... It, Here to eternity. I, I can't remember which one of my parents said, this is a really good film. You know, yeah. it's a, you know, and I think they might have even give away, gave away that there's more to this than ECI or yes. whatever it was to yes. try and... Not to spoil it, because... To try and yeah. say it to me, like... And then, I can remember as a kid thinking, well, this is going to be shit. Because it's, you know, it's an old film. Yeah. And then just totally, totally be... Well, yeah. I... I Remarks of both James and Martin. The ending to that film to this day still holds. It does. And I, can, I can remember as a kid being totally blowy. So I've always been willing to give things a try with that. But yeah, yeah a lot of people do. Yeah, a lot of people do sort of like. It's it, it pure ignorance as far as I'm concerned. I, I grew up on a diet of, of do, old films. But I was going to say, do you know what annoys me more? It's like I'm not a massive fan of a horror film. Yeah. No, yeah. me neither. Yeah. But do you know, if you came to me or you came to me and said, "There's this new horror film out." And I went, oh, I don't like horror films. And you went, no, Neil, watch this because it's really good. Yeah. I have a friend wreck. And that's what annoys me more is when you're recommending to someone, when they're saying, I don't like sci-fi. You need like, a horse to water. And you're saying, well, that's yeah, right. exactly. And you, you're really trying to sell it to them and they still won't yeah. sort of give, yeah. give it a chance. Like exactly. It's like literally, we live in an age now with Netflix and you can watch something. <laughs> if you don't like something, turn it fucking off. Yeah. Yeah. But at least give something a chance. I can understand not going to the cinema. I'm trying to work out yeah. why, it's, why people thought it was so good. You know, yeah, people are saying, right, whether or not you find Citizen Kane to be the most interesting story or not, yeah. right? That film just changed the landscape of cinema. It was made by a young director who, who was making his first film. And if you don't know why that film so is so good, good, first yeah. off, then just put put Roger Ebert's commentary on. Yeah. He will Have tell you why. He will point out the things that might not be blatantly obvious to you mm. about why that film is so good. Why it matters. But, why, yeah, it's an important film. It might not be a film that you fall in love with, but I guarantee on the third or fourth viewing of Citizen and Kane, it's an interesting tale. Yeah, you will you will be like, yeah, okay. I, I, I'll, I'll, unless you're a complete dipshit, but I'll, you will get I'll it. flip that. If you recommend Citizen Kane to someone, someone might not enjoy it. They might not watch it three or four times. Mm-hmm. Do you know if you say to them the following week, "Did you enjoy Citizen Kane?" and they say no, and you say watch it again, they go, "No, I'm not going to waste my time. I watched it once, mate." Fair enough. That's fair enough. Yeah, they say watch it. Don't dismiss a film before, before you've seen, seen it. it. Yeah. Or say things like, oh, I don't like black and white films. Black why, would I, why would I want to watch a film from 1945? Well, it's fucking brilliant. Yeah, because <laughs> you wouldn't be watching the films now. And how I was going to say, how many times were you, you know, have we all said you're watching a film and you go, this is yeah. referencing, or this is well, an homage to, or even this film wouldn't exist without. Say, for example, now we were doing our three favourite actors, mm-hmm. right? And then, you know, maybe our, our mindset might keep us within a certain ballpark. Huh. And then someone drops in, Humphrey Bogart. Uh, yeah. Oh. You yeah. know? 
Yeah, if you haven't, if you haven't watched Casablanca, you're a knob. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what a wonderful way to bring this uh, should, episode to a close. We should, we should. I, I know we haven't talked about the film eighty nine T shirts yet, but that's definitely going to be one. <laughs> tag, tag if you on. haven't watched Casablanca, <laughs> you're a knob. So guys, <laughs> this has been the alcohol filled fourth episode. <laughs> and I've got to say uh, thank you very much to everyone that's given us an uh, incredible amount of support yeah, well, after just three episodes. Uh, we're just blown away by everyone on social media. It's just fantastic, and I'm glad you guys and girls are out there and just enjoying us, just ramble endlessly about film. Yeah, if I could say a big thank you to Jim because I say Jim Stepney's been absolute hero of the hour. <laughs> Stepping in at the last one. If you like this podcast, please like it, please subscribe it, please send us a make, make your own opinion. Yeah, please, <laughs> guys. If there's something about it you don't like, please message us. We're not unreasonable, and we won't take offence to it. Yeah. If there's something about the podcast you don't like. Just let us know. We're not saying we're the best. What we intend to do is always provide you with interesting, intelligent debate about films. That is blowing our own trumpet a little bit. <laughs> but please, like and subscribe us. You know where to find us, guys? On Twitter, at Film89UK. Facebook. It's yeah, the same, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's Film89. And I say you can find us individually if you want to send us any messages. You can find me at Neil underscore Gaskin on Twitter. And I'm at Sky Movies on Twitter. I'm on a park bench outside your multiplex. <laughs> You can also find Jim on Facebook. Plus, if you do like and subscribe, one day we will have Night Talks t-shirts and I will give you one. Guys, take it easy. Stay classy. Stay classy.